0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Stacks. This is Jay.
1: And I'm janitorial candidate, whatever Stilson, and I represent men and women and rich and poor and everybody except for babies because they can't vote, which makes them absolutely useless and expendable. Vote
0: for me! That is a pretty typical candidate, actually.
1: Actually, uh, it's, well, I was saying when I was watching the movie, uh, talking about Martin Sheen's character in Dead Zone
0: Second feature
1: uh, this week It's the second feature, but it scares me how real he is Even though he's just chewing up scenery, oh, we'll have to get into that
0: Yeah, he, he's, uh, he's very modern But our first feature this week is David Lynch's 1997 picture, Lost Highway Quite a trip, is it not?
1: figuratively and literally and in multiple senses of the word
0: yeah so i originally saw this on vhs back in the day it was not old enough to see it in theater uh but Mm. it, it it came out on vhs right around the time that i started getting into lynch in a big way so this was like the new david lynch when i was getting into his work uh so it's and it's also the first of his modern works in a way like everything that he's done after this has been in sort of this puzzle box format where it's uh not altogether clear what's happening
1: (laughs) (laughs) no it isn't um
0: intentionally i came
1: up with at the end when i was high is bonkers but it's as good as anything
0: yeah i i mean like a big part of it is that it's not meant to be literally interpretable. Like it's it's sort of a dream play. Like it's classically surrealist in uh the Dali benuel sense that it it operates on dream logic and it's intentionally supposed to be two fragmented narratives that sort of fit together but don't entirely.
1: They do and don't. It's so it's so crazy how it works. Oh my gosh. Pullman even his character even said, warns us that that's what it's going to be like. He says, "Well, I don't like to remember things how they happened. I like to remember them the way I, oh, I yeah. Don't we'll, we'll,
0: the get exact line, we we'll get to it when we get to it. I have the lines, uh, but uh, yeah, th- this is it it, it. it was really big in the '90s. This was sort of like a, a landmark movie. Like even though it wasn't super critically well appreciated right away, you know, it, it got negative reviews and people were sort of." baffled by it people weren't ready for it uh, I, I could see that and and th- that continued to be the case like david lynch is always a little bit ahead of uh everyone else although i feel like twin peaks the return is where kind of society caught up and everyone's like wait this rules uh oh yeah th- that's kind of where fi- everyone finally caught up to him but uh most of his films everybody's like huh and then, you know, five or ten years later, I was like, wait, that movie's a masterpiece, isn't it? And this is certainly how Lost Highway came out. Because I, I remember it being, everyone's like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? And then, like, I remember picking it up, like, renting it on VHS and being baffled but also thrilled by it. And, you know, as I mentioned last week, the Robert Blake stuff especially is just haunting which
1: which one robert blake
0: is the mystery man
1: oh okay okay oh man he does
0: some yes alleged real life murderer robert blake
1: oh yeah
2: he he uh
0: there there there's a very famous trial circa like about five years after this uh where his wife was shot in the head outside a restaurant and he said that he happened to be going inside to retrieve his pistol at the time, so it couldn't have been him.
1: <laughs> oh, it couldn't be me. I didn't have my gun yet.
0: Yeah, so he was acquitted of the murder uh, in like the criminal trial, but found guilty in the civil trial, much like O.J. Simpson.
1: Uh, I was just going to say, he got O.J.'d.
0: Which, interestingly, is one of the chief inspirations for this movie. Uh, the O.J. Simpson murder trial and case like they what? they were one of the yeah, it, it was one of the things that was bubbling in Lynch's mind at the beginning where he's like, you know, how he committed this murder or allegedly committed these murders. And then he just kind of kept on going with his life because, you know, he was a famous guy. Uh, and, and that was really fascinating to Lynch that it, it didn't really need to change the way his life was being lived.
1: I mean, he- got away with it
0: yeah uh, allegedly
1: <laughs> so if i did it
0: if i did it so uh first iconic soundtrack right like i heard oh, the soundtrack yes. before i saw the movie this was huge in the late 90s
1: i was trying to remember there was a movie that i had thought was lost boys that one of my friends had recommended because the soundtrack had new or previously unreleased music by, like, Trent Reznor and Marilyn Manson and stuff.
0: That'll be this one, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I couldn't, for, like, a decade and a half, I couldn't remember the name of it, and I always thought it was The Lost Boys.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah, I... then
1: it wasn't, I was like, is it Wild Boys?
0: <laughs> Which it was not. Different movie altogether, yeah. Yeah, well, Trent Reznor produced the soundtrack, so, like, he did a bunch of the score, and he... Uh, like there are some exclusive tracks. There's a bunch of Bowie stuff because he was working with Bowie at the time. This is uh, where the perfect drug came from. It, it was originally on this,
1: oh, although not
0: in the movie somehow, even though it be, it's the big single. It's
1: in the credits.
0: Yeah, there is even like a video, but I don't think at least it's not featured in the movie like a lot of other songs are.
1: Like uh, the Rammstein theme song.
0: Oh, yeah. Rammstein by Rammstein. Uh, <laughs> very heavily featured in a few places. And like uh, I Put a Spell on You by Marilyn Manson. Yep. Like his cover of that is very big in this. Uh, wow. a very great use of music in the movie.
1: It really is, yeah.
0: Because it's but this, like, oh, wow,
1: this is a really good mood setting uh, musical piece that's, I know this song.
0: Yeah. And,. It, like big names and uh, just cool songs, like the interesting cover versions even. Mm-hmm. So we open up with an image that we'll see very frequently through the film. Headlights illuminating an onrushing highway with, uh, in this case, Bowie playing. Yep. Uh, I'm Deranged, uh, f- a song from his breakbeat era, you know, when he was working with Reznor.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm I'm not as familiar with like the eras of Bowie's I I just kind of know like the really popular
0: ones, right? Like circa ninety six to ninety eight, uh, Bowie and Trent Reznor were working together a bit. Uh, that's how Reznor ended up getting sober, was just from hanging out with Bowie.
1: How did I not know that?
0: Wow. <laughs> okay. That's... And and uh, I'm afraid of Americans was like a big Bowie hit, and that was produced by Reznor.
1: I do remember that, yeah. uh, but I had thought it was, oh man. Okay. So my, my knowledge of music is of like the nineties, late nineties music. I thought I was like an expert when I was a teenager holy <laughs> fuck. I didn't know shit.
0: I listened to so much. Like I'm still deep into this stuff and this is just still fantastic score or soundtrack. Like the, the score stuff is really great. The, uh, a lot of, um, of Menti, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, his usual guy. Uh, Also, incredible cast in this, right? Oh yeah! So many big names, such a uh, an interesting array. Like everybody wanted to work with Lynch. Like especially mid nineties, he was on fire.
1: Oh yeah, I mean he got Richard Pryor who uh, to do like a two second or a thirty second cameo, basically.
0: Yeah, so cool. His final film role. um, Also, his final film role.
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh. And uh, uh, who is it? Robert?
0: Ah, I, I, Robert I have... Loja. <laughs> oh, that's Robert Loja. Robert Loja. It's <laughs> Mr. Eddie. Yeah. Uh, oh, just man. an awesome cast. Everybody's just got faces, you know, and they, and like the way people talk is what's important. It, like, it's, it's not a movie about acting so much as a movie <laughs> about just like uh, presence, like classic movie star stuff, but in a surreal fashion. Like it's very noir. This is Lynch deconstructing the noir. And I guess you're not super familiar with noir cinema, right? I'm not.
1: Um, I, no, uh, the only experience I would have with it really is just like the over-the-top cartoon parodies of it I would have right. seen as a kid. Which yeah. uh, I realize I thought that's what it was, and it's not really
0: but yeah, and, also I, is. and I guess like Backlash, which we covered is sort of a noir Western where, you know, it's very psychological. It's pretty dark. And it's it's just sort of about the, the relationships between the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody is in these shades of gray. And that's definitely what Lynch is pulling on with this. There's there's so much interest in classic Hollywood noir uh, and just so many noir things like you got the the. Uh, Mr. Eddie as the gangster, and you've got the gangster's mall who's yep, very femme blonde. Fatale, who, yeah.
1: Who you absolutely should not sleep with, but you definitely will. Oh, you gotta. <laughs> you have to. It's like the first rule of being a noir character. You must sleep with the gangster's wife if she propositions you, and nothing bad will come of it.
0: Well, and especially because when we're into that portion of the film, we're in a recursive doubled area where time is kind of folded back in on itself and it's (laughs) this thing where it's an invented reality that's sort of based vaguely on the reality within this guy's mind but we'll get to that
1: (laughs) Uh, that's the weird thing because like to me pete seems like the more real of the two characters
0: pete kind of does but uh, the situation is so heightened and intensified and so uh full of weird details that's true so uh we we start with uh Bill Pullman as Fred, just smoking moodily in his uh apartment yeah. I, I like i like the look of this apartment like it's very deep browns and reds but it yeah. it's just uh,
1: it kind of reminds me of a little bit of the, uh, oh, what's, you know, the, the Twin Peaks place. Uh, uh, the, the
0: curtains. The lodge.
1: Yes, the Black Lodge. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I guess it is. There's it, a room I, with, like, deep red curtains like that, but it doesn't have the black and white floor.
0: True, and and it also has a similar stickiness in, in reality. Like, it, there, there's an intangibility to it where uh, hallways don't necessarily line up and you can walk out of reality inside the house or find hidden mirrors and uh, perspective is very strange like there's oh, some yeah. really interesting weird forced perspective stuff that isn't really highlighted but it's like huh everybody's changing size here <laughs> <laughs> very weird
1: well, it's funny There, uh, the shot of the living room with the couch kind of reminds me of like an inverse shot of the Best of the Worst set by (laughs)
0: Media
1: which also Made me think of when they're watching all the Blank unmarked VHS tapes
0: Yeah uh, Black Spine Roulette or whatever
1: (laughs) Junker Having a fun time imagining like What's his name from there Uh, Just sitting with them and being like This is boring
0: Rich Evans scream laughing at uh, The 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 death video Oh my god (laughs) you would but so uh fred fred madison uh bill pullman's character he's smoking moodily and the doorbell rings and it clearly rattles him he's very startled by it
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's already paranoid of something the whole time i think
0: I, it's I think the I... start of the loop yes i would say and uh, yes. it's not the first time
1: oh you know what that makes sense
0: yeah to me he's in a loop like this is him sort of in an in a regular phase I, i i consider this house to be sort of this form of purgatory where he's living through his sins in a way
1: although we don't really find out about them but that's because he's an unreliable narrator
0: Right. And he will not admit everything to himself yet. And yep. I think that's a lot of what the mystery man represents. But so the, the doorbell rings and a voice tells him Dick Laurent is dead.
1: <laughs> and it takes so long before he does anything with this information. So like, that's what I found. I So I already found that I was feeling like this is weird because it's like, so he's doesn't talk about this information that he found. So does he not know Dick Laurent? You he think doesn't. Talking to, yeah, I, I found you find that out later. But I was just like, should he be telling his wife this? Like, hey, their buddy just died? Well, I guess it's not their buddy. I don't know. They've got their own thing going
0: on. Uh, so he looks and he sees that there's nobody outside. And I really like this shot where you see him at the top corner of the house in the far right of the frame, just in in an upper window. And it's like he's eerily lurking in his own home. Because oh. it's, it's like shot mm. from outside. It's it's the one shot from outside as he's looking to see who may have been ringing the doorbell. You yeah. just see him up in the top corner of the screen just lurking there sort of in the dark. And it's very eerie. Yeah. It's like he's haunting this house.
1: Which is apparently... Well, which is supposedly his house.
0: <laughs> yeah, but he's kind of haunting it at this point, And maybe it's because he doesn't live there anymore. Maybe nobody does. So one of the big texts that I think is obviously important, I meant to lend this to you, was Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Have you ever seen this? It's its a short film that aired as an episode of Twin Peaks, or Twin Peaks, Twilight Zone?
1: Uh, I don't
0: think so. So it's, it's this thing where a guy is being hung uh, for some sort of crime and... Uh, in in the picture he gets away uh, he he manages just to escape from the hanging and he goes on this adventure and just sort of has all these weird sort of surreal experiences and then at the end uh, it's revealed that he never actually got away and it was just sort of his uh, the the last experiences of his dying brain as he sort of relived everything that brought him here
1: oh like the life flashing before your
0: eyes but right right so that i think is a really major and important text for this and especially uh i so i think that's a big part of what pullman's character fred is doing here but it's sort of a, a really surrealist version where it, it's especially dream logicy.
1: Mm-hmm. like like his life is flashing by but it's not necessarily flashing by in order
0: yeah, and it's not really quite his real life. It's it's no. his tainted version of it, the way he'd kind of like to remember it.
1: The way he'd like to, but there's some pesky video evidence that
0: gets in the way. Yeah, and not always video. Like there are no. some hints that maybe it's not just video, but memory. So w- we learn he's a musician. We see his little basement studio where he plays saxophone.
1: Um, yeah, when he was playing the thing. I thought it was really cool because it was lit like a, like with a strobe light and everything. Not like how you tr- not like how I expect a uh, jazz band to be lit, well like a 90s new metal band like like a Trent Reznor video.
0: Right, but it's a very strange sort of jazz. It's like more no wave. Like he he's playing this real scronky no wave saxophone. <laughs>
1: i i wasn't sure what the word was but scronky describes it perfectly even though i've never heard that word before skronk
0: yeah that's that's totally how it'd describe his his sax style like a william basinski sort of thing uh yeah that, that that's so that takes place not in his basement but in at the luna lounge which is is uh we're, we're slightly jumping ahead but man the the neon sign for the Luna Lounge, this oh, yeah. blue neon, gorgeous. <laughs> but before he heads to the club, uh, we meet Patricia Arquette as his wife, Renee. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I like her. Oh, man, her performance is so good because I didn't realize the other character was also her.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I immediately recognize because it's Patricia Arquette.
1: I, I don't know her that well, fan. except for, I think the only other thing I've seen her in is Boyhood, which is, uh, she doesn't look the same.
0: Uh, Patricia Arquette, I don't think she's in Boyhood, is, is she? That
1: not Boyhood? Uh, no, she's not in Boyhood. There was something She'd... in that era that she was nominated for an award for that...
0: Uh, Oh, yeah, no, no, she was in Boyhood, you're right. okay. Yeah, and uh, I mean, like she's in Bringing Out the Dead.
2: Oh shoot, really?
0: She's Mary, uh, the 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 girl who Nicholas Cage just kind of ends up hanging out with a bunch. Okay. Uh, she was in Ed Wood. She was uh, his his second wife. Oh. Uh, you've probably seen her in True Romance as the main girl in that. Um,
1: I I don't recall.
0: No, you haven't seen True
1: Romance. I, I may not have.
0: Oh wow, uh, the 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 Tarantino script directed by Tony Scott, good movie. We'll have to check that out sometime. Oh yeah,
1: She's great in this though, like so I, good. I love. Uh, if I wasn't a fan before, I, well, I mean, I wasn't a fan before, but I am now.
0: Yeah, she she is awesome in this in two roles or one role sort of. That's uh, kind of complicated. She's kind of play. She is a vision of this character, and and she's sort of there. There's multiple iterations of her in the film, uh, so they very quickly establish the dynamic between the two of them in this first scene because she's talking about, "I'm just going to stay home to read and not go to the club tonight," and we we establish that he's pretty suspicious of her and that she's very cagey about it. She never really reveals very much.
1: Yeah, uh, one thing I've noticed about the Pullman performance is right from the very beginning, he's suspicious of everything the whole time. He's got that suspicious look on his face that something's happening that isn't right.
0: He's suspicious of his own memories. He's suspicious of his reality, and... Obviously, he was always very suspicious of his wife. And if we're considering this to be him sort of sifting through his memories or sort of spiraling through his memories, it makes sense that she's really obscure to him and he never really understands what she's about. So he's kind of inventing all of these backstories for potentially what she's doing, even though it's kind of just ultimately this empty space.
1: I wonder if on the sides she was secretly a mob boss's wife
0: yeah exactly or or she's doing these other things and uh they they sort of manifest in different ways so yeah we we get that great scene of him playing at the luna lounge with the strobe light and it just speeds up and intensifies along with his playing
1: (laughs) i I didn't like his playing i I don't know if it's good or not but to my ears it sounded just made me kind of laugh like are we supposed to think that this guy is good or bad? Or does it I, matter?
0: I dig it. It's it's a very specific style. Like, it, it's oh, okay. not it, It's not meant to be a clean sort of style. It's more of, it, like, it's not so much jazz as it's fusion. It's more of a rock oh, okay. thing. Oh, uh, okay. Established out of the New York art scene. It's very no wave. Uh, okay. so it's, it's like a James Chance kind of deal. I don't know. Hard, hard to get into if you don't have a lot of grounding in. That, that's true. I, I don't. <laughs> uh,
1: so yeah, it's. I guess then it's just not bad. It's just something I had never, ever been exposed to before.
0: Yeah, I, I dug it. I, I think it was pretty cool, and just the the intensity of it, and how it's just all speeding up, and I, I love how the, the performance it becomes like he's bathed in this white electric light. Mm which happens oh. a bunch of times in the movie, you know? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> there are a number of times where just this electric light comes through all of reality. So that's another thing to consider. And then after the show, he's bathed in this complete deep red light when he phones home to talk to Renee. Oh. So one of the things that, that I think is really interesting, he, he dials home and there's all of these different phones ringing like <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> he's expecting her to be home and she doesn't answer but we just keep seeing all of these identical black phones all over the house ringing and no <laughs> one picking up which is is this surreal thing uh it, like all of these phones that have these dramatic zoom ins like why isn't she picking up it's like well they definitely don't have 16 identical black phones all over the house so
1: you never know it could be like, <laughs> hey i want you to be able to pick up the phone in one ring no matter where you are
0: but we never see them again we never see don't. any of them in the house again
1: That's true. Although we only ever, aside from the black and white video, we only really ever see the house from like a couple of different angles, which I also, which I think is really neat.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a very strange liminal space. Uh, The the whole house just, it it doesn't have any Euclidean reality.
1: I I kind of feel like the cops who go through later are like confused by it.
0: Oh, definitely. Because like their reality is constantly shifting when they're there. Like that's when... It really plays with the reality. So, uh, of course, when he gets home, uh, Renee is just nonchalantly asleep. So, yeah. you know, he, th- she wasn't out. It, this is all his imagination. You know, she didn't answer the phone because she was asleep. And, you know, it wasn't in the room next to her because there's no phone in that there room. Aren't actually there aren't that many phones. phones. So oh it, it's God, just, yeah, his jealous energy building it up to this absurd degree. I I love the way the camera moves in this movie because it's so restless. It's always either very, very still. Like you say, it's got all these parts where you just see the one angle of the house and someone just lurking against a wall. just no idea of what the rest of the room is supposed to be like or where windows might be. Yeah,
1: Uh, and this house has very small, uh, really small windows and very far apart
0: well when you're inside but when you're outside you see them you see more of them it seems like it should be better lit
1: yeah it's you know it's different on the inside i guess
0: yeah it, it's it's <laughs> like the house and house of leaves uh and and this, just the way the camera lurks in corners much like Fred himself is always lurking in corners like a ghost. Mm-hmm. Or it has that restless energy where it would just speeds towards things dramatically over mm-hmm. and over and over again when he's got this, when he's really eaten up by his suspicions. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next morning, we find a manila folder on the steps with a VHS tape in it.
1: Yep. Uh, completely unbarred, you know, uh, real, real suspicious, like.
0: Right, but again, we see him being very suspicious and Renee being really cagey about it. It's like, oh, well, you know, it must be from a real estate agent. Just totally nonchalant.
1: I don't think it was that nonchalant. They had this, the conversation felt really intense. Like,
0: it, it feels intense on his side only, though. Yeah. She's just kind of deflecting. It's like, well, yeah, well, I guess we could watch it. He's like, are you, you going to watch it oh, Whatever. She she never really gets too concerned about things, but he is just eaten up by them. There's there's this sheer contrast between their energies.
1: Mm, yeah, because <laughs> to her, it's just like, oh, hey, hey, weird thing happened to me today. What weird thing?
0: Yeah, he's very, very intense all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the video, the, the first time we see the video, it's just... The outside of the house, we see a quick pan across and there's not really anything else. We just the front of the house.
1: A little uh, creepy, but, you know, yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. it would be weird if someone left a VHS tape that just showed them videotaping your house from the outside. Yeah, I, like, huh, I don't like that. <laughs>
1: I mean, especially back then when not everybody had phones, you had to go to effort to make a video.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and you
1: couldn't really hide as well. When you were doing
0: right. It either, right. So that night he suffers from erectile dysfunction, uh, and th- he starts telling her about a dream he had, where she's calling his name in the house, and he can't find her. And then there's just all this imagery of fire and smoke. Right. Right. So and... this is this is pretty key because his dream. Is something that hasn't happened yet, but does happen in the movie
1: now is is it this dream where he does find her, but she has uh, the, like for like a split spe- second she's got the mystery man's face?
0: This is the dream where he kills her, but uh oh, no
1: but we don't see that though
0: no uh, it's he uh, he says he attacks someone who looks like her but he feels is an impostor.
1: Oh, yeah, he says something like, it wasn't you. It was you, but it it looked like you, but it wasn't you. But
0: Yeah, it's like, it looked like you, but I knew that it wasn't.
1: And we see it from his uh, vision, and it does completely look like her.
0: Yeah, it's just I her. Because it's her. Yeah, and then th- this is the, a really interesting bit. He wakes up from talking about the dream. He's like, there's the whole scene where he has erectile dysfunction. He's talking about the dream with her and he's saying how all of this stuff happened and how he attacked her because he felt she was an imposter. And then he wakes up suddenly from talking about the dream instead of being in the dream. And this is when her face is very briefly Robert Blake's. And we haven't met Robert Blake yet.
1: Yeah. So just creepy face that isn't hers.
0: Right. And it's kind of a sleep paralysis thing. It's just such a perfect sleep paralysis demon face. Oh,
1: my gosh, it is, too.
0: Yeah. And uh, and I've, I think I've
1: had a I've had a sleep paralysis demon. It's
0: horrifying. Yeah.
1: It's scary. Have you had it? Happen? It's upsetting.
0: It's, it's, it's uh, not in a really long time. <laughs>
1: I, I've had it happen exactly
0: once. I, I used to have that recurring nightmares when I was quite young, but not something that's recurred much. But I, I think liminality is, is a really important element of this movie, The both sleep and death, and the sort of blurred lines between the two.
1: Oh, Okay. I'm not super familiar with the concept of liminality.
0: Liminality is sort of just between spaces. Uh, It's sort of the idea of the space between life and death. And sleep sort of occupies a similar place in our collective unconscious. And liminal spaces are spaces that are transitory and that are strangely eerily empty when you feel like they shouldn't be.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, Because I had at one point followed the Liminal Spaces account on Twitter back when Twitter worked.
0: Yeah. And I was like,
1: I don't know what these things have in common. I can't find the pattern.
0: Okay. So, yeah, I would say that this is a big Liminal Space movie, especially the house that they're in, this sort of haunted area that doesn't fit together. It's like, you know, on on Reddit, the back rooms. It's that sort of thing.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay.
0: So the next morning, there's another tape, and once again, you know, he's very suspicious, but she's kind of flipping, like, eh, well, I don't know. And th- this is the one where she's like, uh, like he he picks it up and like, are you gonna watch this? He's like, eh, I guess so.
1: Yeah. And then she does it. It's like, come on, watch it. You said you were gonna.
0: But this time, the camera goes inside and goes up the stairs, and both of them are in bed asleep in the video.
1: That's. That's scary that's, when you're not in a nightmare.
0: That's terrifying. That's that absolutely is, frightening.
1: Oh, and the, the thing about this video is the, the... From the angle that the camera was usually held in a lot of the shots, it would have to be, like, on the ceiling.
0: Yeah, it, it's held in a very strange way. It, it doesn't seem like a video that can have been made by someone. Because, it's like, how did they even get inside?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. And how did they not notice? Because it also seems to be daylight when they're outside. So oh, why are yeah. they oh, yeah. asleep in bed in the daylight?
1: Because uh, he's, a, he's a musician who probably... <laughs> yeah, I guess. You know.
0: <laughs> so they call the police. Uh, there, there's this very intense close-up as uh, Rene calls the police where it's Fred's POV, I feel, where he's just... Extremely closely watching her eyes and her lips, oh. and we see this a few times. Uh, specifically, her characters, both Renee and Alice.
1: Right, uh, Alice. I remember seeing it with Alice.
0: Yeah, so they do it first here, where just very intense close-ups of her lips saying the things that she's reporting to the police, and the way her eyes are reacting to it in a way.
1: Okay, kind of like he's trying to see if she's. You know, the thing yeah, he's people, suspicious. Yeah. Like like uh, that show where the guy like watches your eyes and can immediately tell where you're if you're lying.
0: Right. But of course, but he, of course, she's he totally opaque. Yeah. yeah. It, she, it, it's it's the theme is that he's really suspicious, but it, it, she's her, not doing anything weird. No. And she's just totally opaque to him. So he can never really figure out what she's about and he's past the point where there's new information to get so he's uh, just relitigating the same information over oh, and because over again of,
1: uh, he, he's just going over it in his
0: head because yeah of... oh, that's all gosh. he has that's all that's there so this is the scene where the perspectives are really weird when the police show up the two detectives they're like the the first time we see them when they're all on the couch, the detectives are, like, comically large. <laughs>
1: yes. They, like, take up—like, like one guy's a real big guy anyway, but, like, they take up half of this—we've we, already seen—huge living room.
0: Yeah, it, it's just this really strange forced perspective, and it's not, like, highlighted. It's not really extreme, but it's just, like— you you realize that something's wrong with the, the proportions of these people to each other. And it's like, that's weird. And then they go upstairs, and upstairs, uh, Fred is huge, and they're tiny. And when they enter the bedroom, upstairs, to to see their bedroom.
1: Oh, I love how they, they kind of, like, the way they questioned about the bedroom is just like, this is the bedroom, this is the bedroom, your bedroom, my our bedroom yeah, the only yeah. bedroom the only bedroom
0: yeah there's like is it, a, huh? is
1: it a room with a bed are there other rooms
0: yeah. with beds well yeah they're, they're sort of useless and he doesn't really see the purpose in anything they're asking
1: and he's, I, I do kind of love the uh the indifference of all the cops of this like they mm-hmm. will do their jobs but they do not care about their jobs
0: well they're also just iterations of each other cuz we have the two different pairs and like the other two guys are just the same two guys played by different actors basically basically <laughs> the, you know it's it's another pair that are watching and and you know it it doesn't matter which one they are cuz we're full of these doubles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so th- this is the part where he has that really important line and I think it's totally pivotal to the movie where oh, they ask yes. about the video camera and she's like oh Fred doesn't like video cameras He says yeah I like to remember Things my own way And the cops ask How do you mean <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Like how I remember Them not necessarily The way they happened
1: We got an unreliable narrator here folks He t- said so himself
0: Yeah he, uh, he is very clearly Look this is the way I remember Things and the way I want to remember Things but there are points where Reality Bleeds through, and they can't fully reconcile it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So they they talk about the alarm. They haven't been using it because it just kept going off for some reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Can't> <laughs> like, why. I I really like when he's saying that, and like it cuts to the police just deadpan, like uh huh. So you uh, stop using it then, huh? <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe you should start using it
0: again. Maybe you should start using it. Like yes, uh, agree. <laughs> <laughs> so then there's this really weird scene where the police are checking the outside. Uh one of them goes up on the roof and they're like kind of walking around knocking on the walls, but Fred stays inside cuz he's haunting this house. He he there there's never really any him outside of the house in transition. He just is suddenly in another place.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I never I never realized that but uh, until well, until we transitioned all the way to uh, him going to jail.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but here, yeah, it's this weird scene of him listening to them moving around the outside of the house and look in on him.
1: Yeah, um, like he's not going, he's not going with him. He's staying like in the living room and just looking up at the ceiling as he hears the footsteps up above and looking up through the skylights and out through the windows.
0: Yeah, it's weird. He's just lurking in there. It it really feels like he's haunting the place. So then we move to the party at Andy's. Uh and Andy is it, it, we we've seen him previously, but we we did not have him identified. He was seen in very suspicious POV at the club with our cat in a flashback. Oh,
1: I didn't catch it.
0: Uh the it, it, it's when he's playing the You know, it's with the strobe and everything. There's a part where he sees them in the audience. But it was also like this is after she said she was not going to the club and then she's not at the club. Right. And then she's not at home. But but then he goes back and she is at home. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So it's Andy that she was with. So he's very suspicious of Andy.
1: I don't know if. Well, I don't know if he needs to be or not, because we. We don't know if any of the stuff we see Andy doing is anything that Andy has actually done, I guess.
0: Yeah, Andy is very questionable because he figures into both versions of Arquette's story. And yeah. they she has two stories about meeting him that are identical, but like both characters have mm-hmm. the same story about meeting Andy. It's just one of them remembers more. Right. The one that remembers more doesn't exist because she's a fictional recreation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I love this movie.
1: (laughs) I love this shit. Is this, oh, my gosh, is this the movie and was it Patricia Arquette? I don't know. I heard that the female lead on one of Lynch's movies, he would not elaborate because, you know, famously, he doesn't elaborate on the meaning of his films. True he would not elaborate on, like, what her character was, so she decided that she was a ghost.
0: It's totally possible. Yeah, I I would say that's fairly likely, because she is quoted as saying, like, yeah, I I don't know what I was supposed to be doing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) she (laughs) does it. It's meant to be open to interpretations. So she's just like, all right, you know, I, I wanted to work with this guy because he's really interesting and it's the sort of role I'd never done before. And yeah, she, she, she fucking kills it. It's amazing.
1: She really does. Like, straight up, I did not know that the second girl was her until they were standing side by side in the photograph, like right. almost at the end.
0: <laughs> oh, in the, yeah. OK. Uh, so they're at andy's and she wants him to go get her a drink but he's really hesitant to leave her and andy dancing together
1: yeah because andy looks like he's already halfway to halfway to sex with her at this point he
0: yeah he he looks like he's trying to seduce her and again i think a lot of that is his memories coloring the way he uh it's his suspicions living out in the world but he ultimately goes to the bar where he meets Robert Blake, the mystery man, which is <laughs> the coolest fucking part of this movie as far as I'm concerned. Everything with this guy is so eerie and just skin crawling.
1: This is, this is horror movie gold, this guy. It's I don't know incredible. how this works so well. I don't know how he pulls it off.
0: Well, like his makeup is so eerie. Like he's he's got this the the powdered white kabuki makeup, and just I, the, he I, looks like Nosferatu. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I before I knew that he was called in the credits, Mystery Man. I I always I was calling him Vampire Man, he, and he I thought like that maybe he was.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's viable that he is some form of psychic vampire.
1: He does say that he can't like like a vampire can't go to where they're not invited. He does say he doesn't exactly. He he doesn't go where he's not wanted.
0: That's right. Yeah, he he has a, a line that very specifically refers to that. Mm-hmm. So he he walks up and he says, "We've met before, haven't we?" And <laughs> this <laughs> is great because oh, it gets man. mirrored word for word later on. Yeah, it it happens twice and says, "At your house, don't you remember?" The no <laughs> he, he starts to laugh it off I'm like that no he's like as I'm a matter sorry, of fact Betty, you must be mistaken yeah he says as a matter of fact i'm there right now and i i love it he, he pauses for a second he looks and he's like that's fucking crazy man yes that's the most
1: normal reaction he's had this whole movie
0: It's literally the the only time he sounds like a normal human being the entire film. Like, (laughs) like, that's fucking crazy, man. What? (laughs) Call me. Yeah, he pulls out a very early old satellite phone, like an old mobile phone. Call me. So he dials his home number and on the (laughs) other end picks up and says, I told you I was here.
1: (laughs) So the first time I saw this, I was like, there's like four or five different ways for me to interpret this, and they're all scary.
0: It's just terrifying. It's just primally scaring. Uh, just this uh, incredible encounter with the uncanny.
1: hmm Are there two of them? Is there one of them in one two places at the time? Did he rig up his the Fred's answering machine? But even if he did, he would have broken into the house unknown to them, and that's still scary because Fred apparently doesn't leave the house. right go to this one party
0: well he 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 never seems to go anywhere and he he just seems to haunt the place and just the fact that it kind of has to be him then who sent them the video and we know of course that he is the one who takes videos Mm -hmm. later on anytime we see him he usually has a video camera Mm-hmm. so um, i i also love the way he interacts with himself on the phone because oh, he's like god
1: yeah it's so good
0: He he's very particular about which of him is answering questions because he always wants it to be a mystery so he's like how'd you do that uh, to the guy at the party he says ask me
1: <laughs> so my theory is that he is having both of these conversations, like the one that he has here with Pullman and the one that he has much, much later with at Pete. the same time. And the one who's on the phone later on is the one who Pullman's talking to. But then that one, that doesn't quite work because he says different stuff later.
0: Yeah, they they both go in different directions with it. So he, he asks uh, the mystery man on the other side of the phone. He's like, how'd you get inside my house? And this is where he says... You invited me. It is not my custom to go where I'm not wanted. Which, yeah, it suggests that he is a vampire.
1: That and the makeup and the hair.
0: Well, yeah, he looks like Nosferatu. (laughs) He he does look like the classic Nosferatu.
1: Does not do any vampire shit, though. No. Aside from the invitation thing.
0: He's just sort of this vampiric presence. But I, I kind of view him as... Uh, a, a sort of filling in the blanks. He he is the mystery man in that he sort of is, is where all the gaps that don't fit together. This is what where they're attributed to, and all the things that he does not want to attribute to himself. Mm. So he's created this
1: scary guy who's to be the suspect for the one who really did the upcoming murder.
0: Yeah. Among so other ask, things. Yeah. Uh, he, there there is one that they commit together. So, oh, he yeah. says, <laughs> so he says, so he asks, who are you? And then both of them laugh. It's just laughing on both ends of the phone.
1: Oh, it's so
0: a really cool chilling. sound.
1: Because yeah. it's the exact same laugh, uh, just but one is like distorted with the phone.
0: Oh, it's creepy. It's so creepy. And then on the other end of the phone, he says, give me back my phone. <laughs> 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 and and the one at the party, he hangs up and he puts in his pocket. And he says, "It's been a pleasure talking to you." And then he turns around and walks away. Yeah. And as he turns, the music and the party sounds all dial back into reality because they've all been silent the whole time they've been talking.
1: I didn't notice that.
0: <laughs> it just all sort of dials back up. It's uh, "Something Wicked This Way Comes" by Barry Adamson. Really great oh, song. Okay. Okay. So. He talks to Andy. It's like, who is that guy? And this is where they have the conversation about Dick Laurent. Because yeah. Andy says, oh, I don't know him. He's a friend of Dick Laurent's, I think.
1: And, uh, and uh, Pullman, who's like, and this is, and this is uh, where I found it was weird. It's like, at this point, I had forgotten about Dick Laurent because at first I was bothered. I was like, why aren't they talking about that weird message he got? And yeah, it's where he's where it's revealed. He doesn't really know Dick Laurent.
0: Well, it's a very strange moment because Andy uh, is surprised to hear that Dick Laurent is dead. And then he's like, no, he's definitely not dead. I know he's not dead. dead. He can't be. That's ridiculous. Because Dick Laurent dies after Andy. Yeah. So he isn't dead yet to Andy because Andy is still alive. (laughs) <laughs> Andy so, <laughs> isn't aware of the future the way Fred is because Fred has experienced it and he's going back around through it.
1: These Andy hasn't caught up to that part of the loop yet.
0: Yeah, because it's not his loop. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> his his loop's closed. So then they they drive back from the party, and it's just the black night void. It's it's them. It's the headlights. It's you know it, it's the loop. Mm-hmm. And it's her being, again, really cagey and him really suspicious of everything. And this is another conversation that is echoed in the movie.
1: Okay, this, this one I don't think I picked up on.
0: So this is the one about where and how she and Andy met. Right. And everything she says, Alice says later about her own meeting with Andy. So first she says, mm, it was a long time ago. Right. I I don't remember. And she talks about how, uh, you know, there was this job that he was supposed to get. And he's like, well, what what job was it? It's like, I don't know, don't remember. And, and she just doesn't have any answer for it when it comes back later. Oh, that's she remembers why,
1: because, because Alice goes, is, goes into detail and she doesn't go into detail at all. Yeah. That's why yeah. I didn't catch the uh, the parallel.
0: Because Alice knows more, because Alice... <laughs>
1: Alice because...
0: Alice's Alice projection.
1: Is, Alice is Pullman inventing what happened.
0: Yeah, she she's the femme fatale version of Renee Madison. She's the fake noir version that has all these machinations that explain how his life went so wrong. Mm-hmm. So when they get home very eerie moment because there's the lights flash inside their house and someone's shadow is illuminated from inside just for a second and of course no one's there he goes in first and he looks and you know there's no one there he goes and looks first and it's just him living within his own suspicions again
1: yeah isn't the shadow in the house where we saw him looming earlier
0: yes exactly
1: (laughs) okay okay okay
0: yeah so then she's getting ready for bed and he's just creeping around the house in the dark in like this complex of hallways that doesn't seem to connect to anything like he's just going down this dark corridor
1: yeah the only real sense of what this house looks like that i have is the living room and the bedroom because and not even so much the bedroom, but because those are the only things that stay consistent.
0: Right. And, and We don't the, see a kitchen. No, and and the complex of hallways seems impossible. Even though like, we have that walkthrough in the video, we see someone come in the front door and go up the staircase and go to their bedroom. So there is sort of a consistent reality that we can see there, but we never see anything fit together when they actually are living in the place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he finds a mirror. He He's going down this dark corridor, and he's startled by running into a full wall mirror.
1: Startled by it, because, you know, he's not expecting to see a mirror in his own house. You wouldn't know about that.
0: No, he doesn't know where he is. And he stares at himself confrontationally. He's He's challenging this reflection of himself. And she calls for him. Down the dark hallway. And it's just like how he described in his dream. Her calling right, for she's him. Call- <laughs>
1: him. certain that it's not her.
0: Yeah. He comes oh. out of the darkness after she comes out and passes through it. Like we see her go looking for him. And she goes into the darkness. And then we see him pass out of the darkness that she went into.
1: Right, yeah, Yeah. that dark corner.
0: Yeah, it's just this weird, blank, like, weak it's space. It's, yeah, it's, it's eerie. just a yeah.
1: blackness at the end of a hallway that just will not be lit up, even though it completely should be with how the lighting is.
0: And then sometimes there's a mirror in there, which is yeah. very eerie. <laughs> yes. So the next morning, he's alone, and he finds another tape. And this one, it shows him... In the bedroom, with Renee's body cut in half and a leg and arm cut off on the bed. Blood everywhere. We only see it for one very quick flash.
1: Right. We do flash to it later on, but like so blurry, you kind of have to use your imagination to see what it is, which I think
0: is a nice effect. Although you can hit pause and you can see it. (laughs) Oh, well, I didn't do that. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it, it is her. She is in half. She's completely cut in half and she's dismembered like there is a leg and an arm on the bed and he's just covered in blood on the floor and it's the exact same tape we saw the other time with the two of them in bed at the end it's just this time when they get there it's not the same you know it's it's him murdered her Uh, and there is one single flash where it's not on video it's him remembering it and it's full color
1: yeah that that's the one i was thinking of
0: yeah so it it becomes suddenly color with him in the blood on the floor it's memory
1: yeah
2: okay <laughs>
0: and, and... you know cuz it's him experiencing <laughs> the memory instead of just uh the videotape of the memory mhm so it, it it's him uh actually I don't know. It, it, it's it's the one piece that he can't get away from, yeah, this concrete that's... reality that he can't fully let go of.
1: Yeah, like when it's a videotape, he can be like, oh, no, this is weird. This isn't me. It's I don't know what this is.
0: Yeah. So he shouts her name and the light starts flashing, you know, that, that white electric light where it gets yep. stroby and, and pulsing and takes over him. I I love this transition. (laughs) He is punched in the face by the the police detective from earlier. He says, sit down, killer.
1: Yeah, the unknown amount of time must have passed. And I just kind of feel like I, I feel like to him it really is that fast because he just deleted out everything in between in
0: his memory. Yeah, well, none of it mattered anymore. Like this is the next important thing that happens is. Uh, He is interrogated and found guilty of her murder. Uh, First degree murder and sentenced to death by electric chair.
1: Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking first degree murder. Doesn't that require planning? We're missing a lot of information for this to be first degree murder.
0: Yeah, there's some stuff that's not fitting together. So he the, the sentence to death by electric chair, I think, is also pretty key because of you know all, all of these sequences where we're just pulsing electric light that this white bright light that completely overtakes him uh and especially at the very end
1: yeah yeah i didn't catch that until you mentioned it in the chat afterwards it's like electric oh shit!" that now explains everything
0: right it's kind of a really uh significant thing and and that's why i, I subscribe to the owl creek uh, occurrence at owl creek bridge part of it
1: where he's just is where this is his life flashing before his eyes as he's being zapped.
0: Yeah, uh, I like Henry Rollins is one of the guys, uh, one of his jailers in the oh, jail. Is that,
1: is that who that was?
0: Yeah, the the one who comes to check on him. The character's name is even Henry. <laughs> oh,
1: funny. Uh, I, I like these. I like this portrayal of the not so much abusive but completely indifferent prison guards. Like
0: like yeah. I was saying
1: about the cops before, they do not give a shit. Not yeah. outwardly abusive, but like they're not on your side. They don't
0: care. Yeah, just just basic institutional indifference.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, there, he has one line that's really funny in a little bit.
1: It made me laugh so
0: hard. Yeah, it's so
1: bad, but it's like, oh man.
0: So, like, as he's in jail, he's having all these flashbacks, and he, it, I, I really like that we see flashbacks of the gore and violence. But again, like, really, really brief flashes of it. Mm-hmm. But in these ones, it's in color, but yep. still with the video texture.
1: Yeah, like, like it's meant to be, like, the, the video texture to obscure for him the reality of the horror of what he did.
0: Right, it's like special effects. He, he, he can kind of pretend that it's not real if it's just a video, but in reality, like, he's remembering this color when we saw a washed out black and white video. So we know that it wasn't a color video that he saw. So it's his memory coloring uh, what he pretends is not memory. Mm -hmm. And so he starts having these really severe headaches and insomnia. And the doctor just gives him a whole ton of pills. Not sleeping good? Well, you will now. (laughs) Yeah. And that night he's like screaming for the guards to give him aspirin. (laughs) And Rollins goes, shit. That wife killer's looking pretty fucked up <laughs>
1: Which one
0: Which one And they both have a big <laughs> laugh oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> And then this is the moment Where the fucking table flips in the movie <laughs>
1: Yep um, I, So I thought when you were saying about the table Flipping I thought
0: Because the, the vampire man, right?
1: man Imploded my brain but this just Yeah It turns into a different movie for like an, yeah. an hour,
0: yeah, it uh, he he changes places, so the the cell walls just rise away and disappear like curtains. And Fred sees a beach house, but it's in the desert, and it explodes backwards.
1: Oh, I kept waiting for this to happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it does happen it does happen later so it, the, well, the it because... happens backwards again later. yeah it it happens backwards again it de-explodes and the mystery man steps out and then he's bathed in this blue light and the light bulb above him like sorry uh uh, uh fred in the cell like yeah. the, this blue coursing light kind of covers him and bathes him and then the light bulb above his head like the actual one in the cell. Yep. He looks up and it pops. It goes out. And the movie basically restarts. We, we start <laughs> at the, the highway again.
1: Yep, yep. <laughs> we're back to, we're at uh, part two.
0: Well, we're sort of in an interstitial space first because the the highway sort of reasserts and then we kind of swerve off to a side and we see our second guy, Pete. Who is illuminated by the headlights
1: yeah um, the way that the the way that it swerves off but like stops way faster than a car should be able to stop it's I, I i don't know to me that was like just really weird and
0: mm-hmm. a little it's uncanny. unsettling it's uncanny yeah. I, and yeah it doesn't feel like it could possibly be real and it it's not a car it's just like a perspective
1: yeah, because a car, as you'll find out later, needs uh, six car lengths to stop at 30 it
0: sure miles an hour. Yeah, uh, we're, we're going to be hearing about that. <laughs> we are going
1: to hear about that.
0: And and there's this interesting flash. We we see Pete illuminated in the headlights, and then we see him in front of his house, although we don't know it's his house yet. Yeah. And his girlfriend and his parents are screaming, Pete, don't go.
1: Yeah. Um. So this... We never find out what happened with this, like what exactly happened. We know something did, and that the parents that we're we're gonna find out later they won't talk about it.
0: yeah, they're very cagey about it, they're weirdly supportive but obscure. They don't have any real information to give, but they're like really supportive about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I, I do I do love the parents even.
0: Oh, yeah, busey, Busey is great as the dad, the the biker dad, who's just very nice, very sweet. <laughs> so again, uh he's co- covered in the coursing blue light that we saw yeah. in the cell, and there's smoke, and we see, again, just the writhing gore of uh the the murder scene, just yeah. like gore, just moving viscera.
1: How did he do this murder? Uh, <laughs> like the steps he took, we don't, we don't find that out.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the, the Black Dahlia kind of, you know, that, that, yeah. that's, that's something that happened. There, that very famous case of just this woman found cut in half on just like a boulevard in, in Hollywood. Oh. Uh, uh, still unsolved. Oh. Uh, so there's a sound of a page turning and then darkness.
1: Oh, I didn't catch that.
0: Yeah, I I, I thought that was really interesting. Like, hmm, the page turns and now we have a different character. We have a whole different movie, kind of.
1: Well, we we still have to... We still have one of the same settings that we've got to get him out of first.
0: Yes, Henry Rollins. Or no, it's not Rollins. It's a different guard who comes and opens the door and like, what the heck? (laughs) Because Pete's in the cell instead of Fred.
1: Yeah, so I want to talk about what these cells look like from the outside they look like a warehouse of like lockers
0: yeah it does not yeah they're they're like hard solitary but it does not look like a real jail it looks like a sci-fi jail
1: yeah like like i i guess i don't know what like actual prisons and solitary looks like from the outside but this looked really
0: um well, this is something like you see in Papillon. Yeah, no, it's it's very absurd. It's like just a huge steel box with a slat in it where they can push in, you know, food or look through. It, it, it does not seem realistic, but it seems like his experience of prison is heavily isolating. Mm. So Pete Dayton is our new guy, played by Balthasar Getty. Uh, And they're they're like, well, he does have a criminal record for auto theft, but he was let out two years ago for it. And, you know, he he just served a brief time. So he's out on his own recognizance and his parents show up, Gary Busey and uh, oh, what's what's the uh, I cannot remember the name of the the mom but they 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 have those they have matching, <laughs> matching
1: leather jackets
0: matching leather jackets they're so cute <laughs> his biker <laughs> parents and they take him home and they're very supportive but there are detectives watching the house just a, a similar pair but not the same pair as we saw
1: but they might as well be the same pair
0: They, like they as well yeah they're we got exactly fat guy the same. And skinny guy yeah so there's this bit where he goes he's just lounging in the backyard and then his friends show up and goes out driving with them. Uh to the just this this kind of weird bowl a rama that's also a dance hall that and it's like bowling themed in the dance area. <laughs> so Lynchian.
1: That sounds like a, it kind of sounds like a thing that could exist too, like oh, sure hangouts for Pretty bad,
0: but it feels like a '50s teen hangout yeah. rather than a '90s one.
1: This character actually feels like a '50s version of
0: uh, James. A 50s
1: version of James from Twin Peaks, uh, but without instead of a motorcycle, his his thing is cars.
0: Although he think he does have a motorcycle at some point too, doesn't he? Does he? I think so. Maybe not. He, I mean, he
1: has a lot of '50s cars, and the cars he works yeah. on are all '50s cars.
0: Yeah, Uh, he, uh, well, like, David Lynch loves 50s stuff, too. So, like, he he really loves the aesthetic. He loves just sort of the the idea of this broad consensus reality of innocence and wholesomeness under which there's this horrifying underbelly of all the serial killers who ever lived developing, you know? Yeah. So, uh, his girlfriend... Well, uh, oh man, I don't remember her name. She does not have a lot to do. Oh gosh, I don't. It'll come oh, I don't up. Remember I either. oh Sheila, it's Sheila.
1: Sheila, right, right. She she does two things.
0: Yeah, uh, she's just sort of uh, she's part of a doubling effect. Uh, I feel like Pete and Sheila feel like a more innocent, idealized version of Fred and Renee. Yeah, because they look like them. They they do. Uh, uh, she has. Like, she looks like Renee as a teenager.
1: See, I thought she was going to be played by Patricia Arquette at first until I realized (laughs) that it was the other
0: lady. Yeah. So she asks him about what happened, but he doesn't remember. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what happened that (laughs) night? He's like, I don't know. (laughs) Do you remember? Because she she was there.
1: You apparently teleported into a uh, death row solitary confinement cell, so... uh... Kind of
0: important. Yeah, it's oh, I don't
1: know,
0: man. strange. It's like, I, I have no idea. And then we 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 see his workplace, Arnie's, which is Richard Pryor as Arnie. <laughs> his one scene.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He and I'm trying to interpret what he says because it's so. Ridiculous.
0: Yeah, he's he's in rough shape, uh, Richard Pryor. He he's like you know it is his very last film, and he was very ill. Yeah. Uh, like he's in oh, a oh, I not know he was ill. Okay. Yeah, like, uh, I, I
1: don't I, yeah, I didn't know how he died or anything.
0: He had a rough last bunch of years because like there was an incident where he set himself on fire while smoking crack. And, and that was, you know, that 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 caused some problems. He got pretty burnt up.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, that'll do it.
0: Yeah. Uh. So his his later years weren't super comfy. And it's it's interesting to have him just to, for this one moment it's like, holy shit, that's Richard Pryor. It's just his one scene. He's there to say that Mr. Eddie called. And they're very yeah. excited for him to be back, for uh, Pete to be back at the garage. Yeah. It's unclear how long he's been gone. It, yeah, it is unclear because
1: he uh, kind of because up till now I kind of get the feeling that he'd only been gone for like maybe a day, but it's like the way he says, "No, I'm I'm here. I'm ready to work." Is like has it been a few months?
0: Well, it suggests that he wasn't like him being gone from here was independent of him being gone. You oh, know, the teleported. Uh, yeah. But it, it also seems like just the timelines don't match up and he, his reality is, is unsticky. Like it, it doesn't fit in any way because he's just this weird construction.
1: Yeah. Um, Cause there was like this, the whole thing with, uh, with Alice apparently only took place over the course of like one or two days, but it felt right. like they'd been doing it for so long.
0: Well, it doesn't even make sense that it isn't that long yeah <laughs> that it's as short a period of a time as it is kind of doesn't make sense ultimately like it oh, no, it doesn't <laughs> we so a, a lot of the time uh uh area in like in this whole area of the movie the time is weirdly both compressed and non compressed like things don't fit together time wise
1: yeah um when I talk about my interpretation of the highway loop. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on the I think like I felt like he was on the inside lane of the loop going the opposite direction to Pullman's character who's on the outside mm-hmm. lane uh, and thus has further to travel uh, which Maybe. right right now without any context what I just said makes no sense and it right. might it, it, I mean, never it, make sense when it, 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 yeah, you know, I, I try to explain it later.
0: Yeah I'm not sure because it, it's interesting but I, I feel like his reality is inconsistent. Like it's it's not even that it, it's moving on a different track. It's that it seems to be uh, a less consistent reality. Even though obviously, you know, our our previous reality is full of holes. This one just has the holes filled in with things that don't make sense.
1: Yeah. So that's that's why when I finished watching it, I was thinking that. He was the real one because his reality, despite not making sense, is more full, whereas Pullman just feels like he's wandering through emptiness, kind of.
0: Yeah, because there are so many holes for him to maintain the reality that he wants to be, to maintain the memories that he wants to have.
1: And this one's more full because... It's total fiction.
0: Yeah, it's very easy to just fill in a whole bunch of details that seem nice. Like he's got these really supportive parents, even though they're kind of cool bikers, and <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he's got like everyone at his job totally loves him. They're so excited for him to be back, and he's, he's like extremely good there at is. it. He yeah,
1: gets, he gets quote more pussy than a
0: toilet seat. <laughs> One of the cops says that. <laughs> <laughs> so we meet mr eddie robert loja what a voice right
1: i love this character and i i I had never seen him in anything before uh i thought he might be like gene hackman at first Mm. because that's but then he's got a
0: hackman-y aspect
1: yeah but but not quite he's got his own
0: thing going on well he's got such a big voice like when he yells when he first shows up he is like so frighteningly loud. He's got like an ogre voice when he yells, and then you know when he's normally talking, he's got that real low purr. Robert Loja. <laughs> for the first letter in Robert Loja. <laughs> right, you know his his uh, his Family Guy uh, version. Just, oh, I thought that uh, was Simpsons. I think it's Family Guy, early early Family Guy. Oh yeah. I guess early one family thing. Family Guy was pretty funny. Yeah, the first couple seasons before they got cancelled were, were, pre- were pretty good.
1: Actually, yeah. Yeah, bringing back Family Guy after cancellation was like the worst thing to happen to that show.
0: Yeah, not great. I guess one thing you may remember him from is Independence Day. He's one of the generals in Independence Oh, okay. Day, Loja. Okay, cool. Uh, cool. I, I've seen him in all sorts of stuff. He's like in Scarface and Over the Top, the I arm still wrestling can't movie. I I haven't
1: seen... Uh... Oh yeah that's been on the list it's shown up on our list.
0: Uh I don't have it I don't think. Oh okay maybe it, <laughs> so hasn't. it can't be. <laughs> no, uh, oh. That's a crazy fucking movie. I've talked <laughs> about it because it's bizarre. <laughs> okay that's
1: probably what I'm thinking of it. I can't believe I haven't seen Scarface.
0: It's yeah you're not missing a lot. At least my really? recollection is that <laughs> it's this movie that's really iconic for posters and uh If you're really into 90s hip-hop, it's pretty important, but it's not great. It's very ridiculous. It's like a remake of a 30s movie that's made over to be about 80s uh, Cuban immigration cocaine in Florida, and it's so absurd and heightened.
1: And then apparently Vice City, the video Grand Theft Auto Vice City, is pretty much just Scarface, is my
0: understanding. Yes, yes, hundred percent. Like there, there is one of the locations in Scarface where someone is uh, getting chainsawed to death in a shower stall. You can actually find that in the game.
1: Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> also, oh shit, getting chainsawed to death in a shower shower stall.
0: Probably the most famous sequence in the movie because that's the say hello to my little friend. It's the oh. chainsaw. Oh,
1: I thought it was like a grenade launcher, but I'm thinking now of... I realize I'm thinking of a
0: different... Parody versions, yeah. Yeah. A very famous line. Oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely know the line, but yeah, okay. I didn't know that was a chainsaw. Yeah. So, Mr. Eddie has shown up, and he... I, I love the way he talks to Pete, because every time he talks to him, he's vaguely threatening And it sounds like he's on to him about something or he's going to take care of something. But then usually it turns out he's on his side until he isn't.
1: Yeah, he's like, hey, is anything, anything, anyone giving you any trouble? Let me know and I'll take care of it. No, it's fine. No, let me know. Listen, I really want to take care of something for you. I want
0: to kill someone. He's like, I'm ready to take care of things. And he also says, like... Pete, I want you to take me for a ride because I don't like the sound of things. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's a Whoa, very. What?
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. But it, it turns out that turns he doesn't out, like the way his about... engine sounds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but oh my God, the way he says that, it's like,
0: oh man. That's so why you it... got to have Robert Loja saying it. He's like, I don't like the sound of things. And I'm like oh. And like, oh yeah, the engine doesn't sound right. You're totally correct. <laughs>
1: Let me just tighten this up for
0: you. So yeah, that's Pete's superpower. He can hear what's wrong with an engine and perfectly retune it just on the fly. Uh, Notably, before they go out or when they go out, you know, they pile into Mr. Eddie's car and take off and it flashes to the detectives who are out there supposed to be watching Pete, totally oblivious to him leaving.
1: (laughs) Yeah, completely clueless, but like, hey, isn't that Dick Laurent?
0: Yeah, they they see him leave and they're like, "Oh, hey, look at that." Uh, th- this this isn't quite it's when they, re- when, oh, they yeah, return it's when they turn back that they that they recognize him as Dick Laurent. But here they're just like, "Huh?" <laughs> and it's like, "Oh yeah, uh they they do not even pick up that the guy they're supposed to be watching is leaving." <laughs> nope. <laughs> and it's too bad because uh some crazy shit goes down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god. I, I had never seen this, oh my god this scene just...
0: So the the tailgating scene. Yeah, pretty funny. Even though it's also terrifying, Mr. Eddie is being tailgated. He's like, ah. And he waves the guy past, and everybody buckles up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's got, like, these two huge hired goons in the back, and, like, on cue, they put their seatbelts on.
0: Yeah, and he floors it, rams the guy off the road, and they just, like... Beat the shit out of him, and are also menacing him with traffic statistics. <laughs> <laughs> Do
1: you know that it takes six car lengths to stop at to stop at thirty miles an hour? You could have, you would have hit me. That's yeah. Fifty thousand people die on this highway. There is no way that there's fifty thousand people that die on this one highway.
0: He's just like using huge statistics and just like really menacing. He's got a gun out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Get yourself a manual and learn how to drive better.
0: They beat the shit out of him. Leave him crying on the side of the road and <laughs> head back.
1: But haven't we all wanted to do that?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of a weirdly satisfying scene, even though it's also like, wow, that's <laughs> terrifying. That is like an extreme overreaction. <laughs> oh, yeah it's, it's,
1: yeah, it's road
0: rage. Yeah, <laughs> it's the first time I recall ever seeing a road rage sequence in a movie for sure. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think so because I mean, road rage sort of became a buzzword in the late '90s, and it's like, oh, oh, holy shit, was, this is road rage.
1: I thought it had been around for longer, and
0: I'm sure it had, but I don't that recall seeing it in movies. kind what
1: Falling Down was about at the beginning.
0: No, he or just, in just leaves he his car at the right, beginning. Of, right, right, right. At the beginning of Falling Down, he just walks away because he's in a traffic jam and he gets bored. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: yeah. That's no, that's not road rage. It's rage is something else.
0: Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> uh, white guy rage, as a matter of fact. Oh, that's uh, a movie too. Uh, that was a fun one. So they go they come back to the garage and Mr. Eddie gives Pete just a huge wad of cash. And he also offers him a porno tape.
1: And he's like, I'm not really into that.
0: Well, it's interesting because it's just this Blank feature, like yes. it's a black VHS tape with no information on it. It's like, we've seen a few of these before. That's troubling. Should be not good. Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, uh, I'm good. That's cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I really thought that this was going to be one of those things where he was not allowed to not take it.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And but, I thought he was going to be like,
0: take Right, the tape. you better take the tape. Yeah. But no, he's yeah, cool like, about it. No, he's
1: cool with it. All right,
0: suit yourself. Suit yourself. You don't know what you're missing out on. And this is where the police recognize him leaving. "Eh, Isn't that Dick Laurent? Like, oh, but he calls him Mr. Eddie. Interesting. We're we're starting to get an idea of who this Dick Laurent is.
1: But Dick Laurent.
0: Dick Laurent is supposed to be dead, isn't he? Supposed to be dead, but. Or isn't he? Because remember, Andy said he definitely isn't.
1: Yeah. And we only know that Dick Laurent's dead from a really questionable uh, phone call
0: an extreme message yeah very questionable source yeah so that night
1: from a guy who doesn't have his shit together to begin with
0: well yeah and it turns out it's also him on the other end of it you know it's him (laughs) on both ends of a phone notably right so uh that night uh pete is uh wandering in the dark of his house much like uh, Pullman was or Fred was in uh, the hallways of his house and it's the same thing he finds this dark space and comes to a mirror right so even in his small little tiny split level suburban <laughs> yeah, they have like this
1: corridors to wander down in this like
0: yeah with mirrors this weird dark space mm-hmm. so that that kind of like again aligns him to being uh, Fred, where Fred is just doing this weird soul searching where he just finds this darkness within himself. And he goes out for a drive, and we see that his face is finally fully healed because all of the scenes we've seen of him up till now, he's had this big head wound. Yeah. Um, from whatever the fuck happened. <laughs> yeah, we
1: don't find out. I assumed it was because Pullman had a head wound before he switched places
0: maybe Um, but like i thought he
1: had like we aren't showing it but i thought maybe he had fallen and hit his head in the cell
0: right could be i mean like it 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 seems like it's something that's happened to pete but i think it's really interesting how he finds the mirror and then when he goes out his face is healed like he comes out of the darkness healed oh
1: okay (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <Neat>. <laughs> and, and so he goes and picks up his girlfriend Sheila and they go for a drive and they really look in this scene like a young Fred and Renee like they, they're kind of dressed the same way they both have very similar hairstyles they've got similar faces
1: They, d- yeah they do it took me it actually took me until the last scene where Pullman was wearing the same clothes I was like oh fuck they look the same but they mm. look the same
0: yeah and I know that like uh Lynch cast Balthazar Getty on looks like he saw a picture of him in a magazine. Is like, that's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's very meant to look like a young version of him.
1: And of course, the girl I thought, Sheila, I thought was Patricia Arquette at first.
0: Right. And she has a, like the the relationship between the two of them is similarly weird yeah. because before they start making out, she's like, why don't you like me? <laughs> yeah and, and it's like at first And he I says like, well, I do like you <laughs> I'm
1: actually trying to make out with you right now and I was like well he obviously likes her What's her deal And then later on I'm like oh right He's just using her for sex That's a thing that guys do I
0: forgot Right but it's like, It doesn't kind At this point it doesn't seem like that It kind of no, just seems that she's aware of the future Of what's um, happening with her character hmm. Uh, and the cops, of course, are watching them have sex in the car. Th- this isn't the time that they uh, no, remark upon yet. that. Because there's more.
1: <laughs> there, there's a lot more. They're like, what a job. Ours are his.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Ours. So then, uh, next day at the garage, they're you know working on some cars. And on the radio, Fred's music That's is playing from, music from earlier.
1: Can... Yeah, and... And it's, and it's really upsetting, Pete.
0: Yeah, Pete hates it. He goes and changes the station. And Jack Nance, in his one scene, is like, "Hey, I was listening to that. I really liked that. Yeah, I was enjoying that." I was wow. like, "Oh, Jack Nance, his final think, role too."
1: Yeah. Oh man. Oh, I love him. I I was only seeing so this in Twin Peaks. I think
0: no, he's there's, so there's lovable. And uh, have you ever seen Eraserhead? I haven't seen a racer head because he is a racer head oh. <laughs> you know he he really worked with lynch a lot they they were very simpatico but yeah man he's pete on twin peaks his character is <laughs> pete so yeah he, he he's you know objecting to him changing the station but ultimately they continue to not play it and then mr eddie shows up uh, now, and, is
1: and... it here where he shows up with the girl
0: yeah, he shows up okay. with Arquette as Alice Wakefield now uh, in this black Cadillac convertible. And it really plays up her arrival.
1: Oh, yeah. Like like uh, Jack Nance's like, holy, or something like, holy moly, or would you look at that? Or, you know.
0: Yeah. And then. Some
1: stereotypical uh, old guy thing.
0: Right. And this magic moment starts playing. It's a really great Lou Reed <laughs> cover of this magic moment
1: i'm just imagining uh and like at this point i'm just imagining the thing uh pete being like oh yeah i'm definitely gonna have sex with this (laughs) boss's wife this is gonna be awesome
0: oh yeah she gets out of the car in slow motion you got (laughs) this magic moment playing oh it's gorgeous it's so cool (laughs) yep but she's just there to hear eddie's there to drop off the cadillac and uh, the two of them leave, but she comes back to the garage that night later on alone. So yeah, she's the aggressor through this whole relationship. Yes.
1: Yeah, she asks him, like, hey, do you want to take me to dinner? And I-, I thought he was going to immediately go for it, but he's actually a little smart. He's like, uh, I don't think we should.
0: Yeah, she's like, how'd you like to take me to dinner? And and he's like, <laughs> he's like, well, maybe we should skip dinner. Like, yeah, okay. he's like, well, I guess
1: you know, it's not like I'm tailgating.
0: Right. Uh, and they go to a motel where the police follow them. Police obviously just seeing everything going down all the time. Yeah. Uh, which is not true to the police that we see in the other layer of reality who do not seem <laughs> right. to be aware so, of anything, even though they catch him because he's just not a very good criminal yeah
1: yeah but the police don't the police that don't give a fuck
0: no neither do these Well, neither do these (laughs) they're just like this is yeah this is where he says the line guy gets more pussy than a toilet seat (laughs) (laughs) so they they seem to have like a bunch of meetups it seems like it takes a few weeks although we learned that it's just been like two days after yeah yeah,
1: because he comes back it's like you know that girl who i was with yesterday
0: yeah. And then she calls and says, I can't tonight. I have to go somewhere with Mr. Eddie, which like, uh, how, <laughs> how, how is it? If it was just yesterday, how have they met up like five or six times?
1: Yeah.
0: Cause we uh, have a montage of their meetings and then it's her saying this. Like, how has it been that them. long?
1: She's wearing different outfits.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but this notably when she, uh, she's talking to him on the phone Uh, Even though it's on the other side of the line, we have the close up on her lips only with the rest of her face in shadow. Mm -hmm. So, like the scene earlier where she was calling the police. Right. And she says, I think he suspects something. (laughs) (laughs) The part where he's
1: like, you know, if anybody slept with my girl, I fucking.
0: Yeah. 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 He has a whole scene where it's like, you better not be. Uh,. Uh, with, like it's very clear that he suspects him specifically. <laughs>
1: yes, but she's like, I think he suspects something. It's like he yeah. knows exactly what's happening.
0: Right. And then that night, there's just he he becomes obsessed with the bugs in his room, and just starts freaking out. Oh yeah, like, the sp-
1: ooh, spider crawl.
0: There's a spider crawling up the wall that is just it's huge. Moths. Uh, moths in the in the light and yeah he he gets stir crazy so he goes and picks up his girlfriend and takes her to i think the same motel
1: uh, i think so uh, i think it is the lost highway motel
0: Oh, no yeah. no no i think it's just the same hotel that he went that to he went the to first with, time uh, with our yeah. cat
1: yeah
0: and this yeah, is where no, the, the lost like, highway is a different one We're different that's stuff later happens. yeah that that's that's the that's that's where uh, the deaths happen mm-hmm. Uh, But yeah, this is where the cops are like, what a fucking job, huh? He's like, (laughs) his arouse. (laughs) Ours. And then he comes home and his parents sit him down to have a talk about whatever the fuck happened that night. And he's like, I don't remember. (laughs) Still don't know.
1: (laughs) He's like, why why don't you tell me? You seem to remember something.
0: Right. And Busey's like, we're not going to say anything about that night to the police. (laughs) He's like, could you? Could you say, to me, what happened? Could you elaborate on that? No. No, no, not a chance. But they do say that he came home with Sheila and a man they've never seen before. Yeah. And we get a flashback to the the part where they're on the lawn screaming, Pete, don't go, uh, like we saw in the flash before he teleported, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I'm thinking at this point that it's somehow Pullman. Is the mystery man
0: Yeah or the mystery man is the Or
1: mystery the mystery man. man could be the mystery man yeah,
0: Who but, is Pullman question mark
1: uh, Question mark we haven't seen him in this reality Yet
0: right and His or Pete's head Seems to burst open Oh yeah Like but, the, but it's
1: like that grainy um,
0: blurry, It's the videotape like,
1: Yeah the videotape uh, texture So you don't really see it
0: right cuz it's it's like the head bursting open and then the camera pans over and we see Renée's body again like in the original video but right. very fast and very dim this time like dark mm-hmm. you you just sort of see like a negative of it so then no i right it's it's not we we haven't seen the scene where eddie shows up yet it's eddie comes to the garage and this is where he starts talking about if i ever found anything was happening about oh, alice you know sad. that girl who was here the other day yeah yeah so it's like a couple of days ago apparent right which is insane because he he got so upset that he went out and got stir crazy and called up his his own girlfriend and How has it been two days? It has to have been much longer than that. But time doesn't work right around Pete. (laughs) Yep. So uh, Alice calls. And again, we just see eyes and lips. uh, The rest of her face completely in shadow. And she says, meet me at the Starlight Motel in 20 minutes. So I think the Starlight Motel is the one where they've been meeting where he took the girlfriend. Right. Yeah. So her thing is, she's like, Mr. Eddie knows. I'm absolutely certain about it, so we're gonna have to run away. But I think we should do a robbery first. (laughs) Very (laughs) femme fatale behavior.
1: Yeah, and then she's got like the most exact directions.
0: Mm Hmm. It's like I want to rob the guy who makes pornos for Mister Eddie, which will turn out to be Andy.
1: Right, and so that's what connects this to the other story.
0: Right. So, Um, or the first thing that connects this. Right. And, and I guess the idea is that Andy is a pornographer, but I don't think we have any real suggestion of that when they're at his house. So that kind of seems like maybe, again, this is
1: a made up thing,
0: broad fiction that he's sort of creating to tie all these threads together and make it not his fault. Right. Obviously, it's Renee's fault because Renee is the bad one or Alice. She's Alice. the femme fatale. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't care what she tells you. Her name is Renee.
0: Yeah. So this is the the part that echoes the other scene. He asks how she got in with these people. And she says the same things that Renee said about Andy in the car ride. Uh, yeah. She's the, oh, I don't remember. It was a long time ago. But then she remembers. He's like, oh, well, what was the job? And it's like, oh, well, the job was I had to go see this man. And we get the sequence, the I put a spell on you sequence.
1: Yeah, oh my god,
0: it's this, like Eyes Wide Shut uh, <laughs> a couple years that. earlier. Oh. No, I just watched it last night. Oh, cool. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, it. Yeah, later.
1: this is a very
0: unsexy tease. Exactly. Uh, she's brought into this opulent red room. Mister Eddie's waiting there in a chair. Uh, Manson's version of Ice put a spell on. He was just pounding. Yeah, and. <laughs>
1: Dude just fucking puts a gun up
0: to her. Yeah, the the guard, one of his guards, just puts a gun on her and she strips for him. And there's this really great reverse shot reverse where, like, in the flashback, she reaches out to touch Mr. Eddie's face. And then when, you know, the scene cuts to the other side, it's Pete's face she touches in the same motion. <laughs> just really interesting and I'm not really sure of the symbolism there but it kind of seems like again just him as sort of this fill-in space
1: well, I think it's just I, I kind of thought that the kind of way the cut to Pete was like the ending of the flashback to him reacting to the story
0: it is but it's also but, you yeah. know, it's it's a very weird way to do it and it, it kind I mean, of I seems guess. like it, it, it's it's obviously meant to be Symbolic of something because you know, That's a very <laughs> uh, Weird shot to do it's very uh, Jarring and he Gets jealous
1: oh my god Okay so I hate him now oh, he <laughs>
0: Because yeah. uh, like, again, he, is
1: he does that thing That like jealous Boyfriends do when people are like Sex workers is like oh yeah do you Like it it's like you first, yeah, you, you, like, it, want huh? them, you want them to Like their job you want anyone to like their job Second of all were you not listening to the
0: story (laughs) yeah she was a gunpoint
1: she she was a gunpoint fuck
0: although of course she had no choice as we'll see later she does like it because she is a projection and she doesn't really exist there is no reality to her as a being
1: but even in this projection he's wrong
0: yeah and and it's, it's very notable that, that both he and Fred clearly contain the same dangerous, masculine, jealous violence. Like, it's clearly at the pit core of both of their beings.
1: Yeah, because like now what I think the interpretation is, is that uh, Pete is Fred how he wants to imagine his younger self as this cool, suave, 50s mechanic dude.
0: Yeah, it's uh, like you said about James. He's like the way James sees himself.
1: Yeah. Oh my right? God. Yeah. When in fact James was never cool.
0: <laughs> James is always cool. <laughs> so she says that she'll call Andy, which is where we first, or where where we finally kind of tie together that Andy is the pornographer. She says yeah. he's going to be our ticket out of here.
1: Oh, I don't think Andy is in the spell on you seen though is he uh
0: maybe in the background but i don't oh. think so uh not noticed if he is but it's 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 after that that she mentions she's yeah. going to call andy and he'll be our ticket out of here so meet her at 11 don't be followed it will be at 2224 deep dell place and she has very elaborate directions
1: oh my god they, like i'm just imagining him like oh my god stop, i need to write this down hold on just just let me get a pen oh my god i can't i'm not gonna get
0: this right so he he says or she says she'll be upstairs with andy and she'll send him to make a drink at eleven fifteen, and he'll be waiting in the bar of the house to ambush him that's
1: how it's supposed to go now as we all know the more detailed the plan explanation is in a fic- piece of fiction, the less likely it is to work.
0: Yeah, obviously it's not going to work out quite that way. Although it sort of works out partially <laughs> it that way.
1: Mostly does. Yeah. There's like one little hiccup at the end.
0: So this is where she, where he goes back home and runs into Sheila, who knows he's been cheating on her. I mean, yep. everybody knows what's going everybody. on with him. <laughs> we've seen the His police following him everywhere he goes no he's totally oblivious to how much everybody knows about him and i think again that's like fred kind of distancing himself from the realization that everyone around him knew what was going on with him even though he thought he was being very clever <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, i don't know why mr eddie suddenly threatened to put a gun up somebody's ass but uh, at least he doesn't know about me because he, he
0: didn't say he put it up my ass. Yeah, it's like there's there's a room for doubt there. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So she says, you are different, which is interesting. It's like and she says to Busey, tell him. But we don't know what he's supposed to tell. And Pete's vision goes all blurry. Right. And uh, so so Busey says there's this man been calling for him but he won't give his name.
1: <laughs> that's, uh, that's scary, but uh, Pete, you, you got an appointment to make. You don't have time to take this. Oh, you're going to take the phone call, aren't you?
0: He's got to take the call. So I think this is interesting. It is Mr. Eddie, but he makes him guess, and it's like he generates him. Like, was it always him? Because what he, the, he picks up the phone, and we just hear from the other end, hey, Pete, how you doing? You know who it is.
1: Yeah. So of course, for well, my first guess was Mister Eddie.
0: So. Well, right, yeah, it's it's the obvious first guess, but he says yeah. Mister Eddie, and it's it, it kind of feels like. And he then it becomes. Is, yeah. Then it becomes him. Mm, He's like. Mm, okay. You sure you're okay? <laughs> He's being extremely polite. You know. Oh, I, <laughs> you know, I I want to make sure everything's all right with you. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, "I want you to talk to a friend of mine." And on the other end, we see him pass the phone to Robert Blake, the Mystery Man. And here's where we get the repeat of that sequence.
1: Yep, uh, it starts out word for word uh, how Pullman and uh, Blake were
0: talking. Yeah, so they they have the we've met before, haven't we? They like, oh, go, "Yeah, I remember. It was at your house." And ultimately, he gets to in the East. The Far East, when a person is sentenced to death, they're sent to a place they can't escape, never knowing when the executioner will step up behind them and fire a bullet into the back of their head. So he's talking about someone being sentenced to death. Yep. He's talking about Far East uh, mysticism, which is also uh, a lynch interest. Oh, Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's right, I forgot about the whole, like, Cooper went to Tibet thing.
0: Yeah. And and it's like him sort of talking about this uncertain reality where this person knows they're sentenced to death, but they don't see their jailers and they don't know where they are and they don't know what's happening around them, just that doom looms above them at all times. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, it's, it's the looming threat of these guys, too. They're like... You know, you're obviously uh, with Alice and we're going to come down on you. Or yeah, are they? Because yeah, yeah. they never say it. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, yeah, actually, I, I didn't even realize that, like, he could be talking about the, uh, the impending threat of the hired goons. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Mr. Eddie himself, who is more than happy to do whatever needs to be done on his own.
0: Yeah, Mister Eddie's terrifying. He loves to de- <laughs> he loves to
1: deal with problems.
0: Yeah. So Pete takes the bus to Andy's house. He climbs over a fence. He gets in the back door. Uh,
1: notably, he is late.
0: He is late, but but not late enough. He's on time enough. So that and in the big living room, there's a porno of Alice being projected, huge, while Ramstein plays.
1: Ramstein, suddenly Ramstein.
0: Yeah. Rammstein by Rammstein <laughs> from
1: the album Rammstein actually I don't know if it is from the album uh,
0: no I think I uh, don't
1: think they have one that's called Rammstein
0: I think they do now but oh. it, they didn't it then I can't remember the name of. it's from their debut album though of course yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, not Duhast no well Seinsucht is that album I just can't remember the name of the first one I I really liked Rammstein in the 90s <laughs> honestly they, <laughs> they're cool yeah, they're fun they they put on like the greatest live show on earth.
1: Oh, that's what I've heard of. I wish. Our
0: yeah, they'd be cool to it. see it. Yeah. So Andy comes downstairs. Pete bashes him in the head, just like the plan. Yep. And the wound that he gets on his head is the one that, that Andy
1: or that uh,
0: that Pete, Pete had in jail. And also, they look a lot alike, Andy and Pete. They do
1: they got like that same kind of? I'm a little bit greasy vibe.
0: Yeah. And I think that's sort of interesting in terms of him being this construction of this version of himself with Alice, that maybe he's also a version of a potential rival of himself. And like, he is Pete and Andy, like he's this version of him that is also Andy in a weird sort of way.
1: Yeah. Kind of like, um, like if Fred was like, Oh, so that's the kind of guy that Renee's into. One, yeah. It was a little bit like that.
0: Right. So Alice comes down. She kisses Pete. And then Andy isn't actually unconscious and he jumps at them. <laughs> this moment was so shocking to me when I saw oh this on God. VHS. Uh, like as Holy a shit. 15 year old. Just him landing on the glass corner of the table and just getting destroyed. And it just cut
1: through his head.
0: Yeah, it's just him in, like, on the corner of the table. And like, oh, oh, fuck. <laughs>
1: yeah, and then he's like, we killed him.
0: Yeah, Pete's really shaken, and Alice is not.
1: Yeah, there, I love, the like, the super long hesitation before she says, you killed him.
0: You killed him. And then she starts taking his jewelry off.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Pete's like, what are we going to do? And at this point, it's like, dude. If you haven't noticed, there's no we in this operation.
0: Yeah, you kind of got to get going. This is just you now. Uh, and <laughs> She's
1: f- not on your side.
0: She's not even there, right? Well,
1: uh, that too, but...
0: So he finds this picture of Mr. Eddie, Renee, Alice, yeah. and Andy. <laughs> and it's such a fascinating line. He's like, is that you? Are both of them you?
1: And she's like, this one's me.
0: And his nose starts bleeding because the layers of reality are collapsing in on each other for him. Like, oh, shit. Are these both you? Are you? Wait, this is you. You're both of these people. Are you real? Is any of this real?
1: It turns (laughs) out, uh, no, because we see the same picture later.
0: Yeah, his reality (laughs) starts collapsing in. Like, literally, the reality he's within starts to deconstruct. So he goes upstairs to the bathroom. And there's lightning flashing. And all of a sudden, he's in an apartment building. Because he's passing doors with numbers on them. Even though so he's just I gone thought, upstairs.
1: Oh, yeah. So I thought this was the Lost Highway Hotel.
0: I think we, it is. Because we yeah. are later at the same room at the Lost Highway Hotel. Mm-hmm. But, but, yeah. yeah he, I mean, there's we don't numbers get on establishing the establishing shot here. No, because he just goes upstairs and he's in a different place.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which, and. <laughs> I mean, made no sense to me at this point.
0: So he goes to
1: numbers. It's this guy's house.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, that's that's what it's like. Yeah, it seems like he's an apartment building. He's somewhere else. So he goes to door number 26 where he opens it up. And Alice is having sex to Rumstein. It's the porno happening. Yep. And she taunts him. Like she she like laughs at him. She makes fun of him. <laughs> so like he he's being directly humiliated like oh what the fuck so he closes the door and then he's back in andy's house upstairs yeah it the music has have a, stopped the music stop and there are no numbers on the doors it's a different place
1: oh fuck i didn't catch that either oh my
0: god there's so much yeah there's a lot of detail so he goes downstairs and renee pulls a gun on him but then she just puts it in his pants like <laughs> there's all these weird <laughs> don't you trust threats. me don't you trust me here this is your gun he's like i know this fence so we'll, we'll take all of the stuff to him it'll be easy to flip it and i'm ready to go on the lamb. we'll just take andy's car and hit the road because so we have to go to the desert baby
1: the one de- the one detail that i thought i was so clever for noticing i was wrong about because i was like <laughs> is it just me or do all the license plates in this have the same license plate number and then I wrote one down, and it's like they do not.
0: Oh, okay. They're they probably don't. all similar fake ones because I they think are, they use a specific they, prefix to re, to replicate or something.
1: They are similar in layout. There's mm. like, three letters and then four numbers, like
0: right. Well, I guess that's probably just well. I mean, how that California might just be how they are. are <laughs> yeah. So she says that the fence is at his cabin, and we see the same a de-explosion of a cabin from earlier, because they arrive at the cabin right after we see it unexplode.
1: Yeah, and and from this point on, I'm like, oh, we're going to see the explosion happen forward soon, any minute
0: now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to be in there when it happens?
0: You'd think, but no, it is just an explosion unhappening.
1: Yeah, Uh, it does not explode in the film.
0: Right. So, uh, She's still really confident. It's it's the shift of their dynamic from earlier, where he's constantly hesitant and unsure, and she is confident and knows exactly what she's doing and is very forthright. You know, versus her being hesitant to say anything about anything and really mm-hmm. closed off versus his, like, deep suspicion. All right. So the fence is not there, obviously. It's like, well, I guess we're just going to have to wait. And... She he. This is that weird sex scene where he's like, "Why did you choose me?" And she says, "You still want me, don't you?" And they're oh, having sex, and again, just the white light bathing and encompassing them.
1: I I did find that this sex scene really did mirror like they were in a lot of the same positions and angles uh, from mm. Pullman and Renee earlier.
0: And he just keeps saying over and over, "I want you," and yeah. then. Finally, she just says, you'll never have me and walks away or walks into the cabin,
1: walks into the cabin. And I'm like, oh, this would be a great time for the cabin to explode. That's what I'm expecting.
0: But instead, Pete becomes Fred. Fred uh, is returned,
1: gets up and he's Pullman, naked Bill Pullman,
0: standing in the headlights. And then he looks at the car and the mystery man's there and he, he looks and then. He hears, here I am, and he turns, and there he is again at the door of the cabin, just like where we've seen him walk out in the explosions, but there's no explosion this time. Yeah, yeah. So he goes up into the cabin, and it's just the two of them. It's like, where's Alice?
1: (laughs) Whatever else she said, she's lying. It's Renee.
0: Yeah, if she she told you her name is Alice, she's lying.
1: But then he holds up the camera to pull him and he's like,
0: who, are, what the fuck is your name? Yeah, and your name. What the fuck is your name? And at he starts point, advancing on him filming, which yeah, is like the point, most I'm terrifying just, thing to him.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because then suddenly when it's filmed, he can't fill it in with his own memory or he can't fill it in. He can't replace it with his own interpretation. He has to deal with it.
0: Yeah, the Mystery Man is establishing a baseline reality. He is making the memory concrete. It is a threat to him as documentation. Uh, he, he's making reality uh, concrete. He, he's uh, not letting him get away. Yeah. So Fred gets in the car and, and drives away, fleeing from the Mystery Man, you would think. Yeah, <laughs> you would think. And we get a, a recur of the opening shot. Uh, and they go to the Lost Highway Hotel, where he goes to room 26. Right where we saw, uh, just in the previous scene, where he saw Alice having sex with two Ramstein. <laughs> so, in that room, Renee, and it's definitely Renee because Alice doesn't exist. Yeah. She's having sex with Mr. Eddie.
1: Two Ramstein Is it two Ramstein again?
0: Probably. I think, so. I think all of the sex scenes are to rammstein for whatever reason (laughs) i love it Uh, so he takes the next room he he stays in room 25 and interesting point during the night she goes out and leaves and she leaves in a cadillac but it's a pink cadillac and when we saw mr eddie's cadillac earlier it was black both Mm -hmm. of his cars are black Mm -hmm. which is interesting too just uh, more doubling, I guess.
1: Oh, I wanted to point out uh, when Mr. Eddie rammed the other, like, way back when he rammed the other, the tailgater,
0: mm-hmm. his
1: car was fine afterwards. Like, not even a dent in the bumper.
0: Yeah, completely unscratched. Yep. <laughs> I mean, like, he's like probably he done it before. He knows it. how to do it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, Fred goes to room 26, and he attacks Eddie. Again, Rammstein's still playing. Yep. Uh, and he puts him in the trunk of Eddie's car, it's a black BMW car that he puts him in the trunk of, which is the car that, the, you know, yeah. he ran the guy off the road in.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And inside room 25, we see the mystery man watching him put him in the trunk. Hmm. And then in the desert, you know, he opens up the trunk, Eddie jumps out, they have a quick battle, and yeah. Fred, his, like, he he stretches out his hand and a knife is placed into <laughs> it.
1: This, okay, I, yeah, because this, I actually went in reverse, like, I rewound to see it. I'm like, because he, yeah, as he's on the ground, he's like reaching over. And I'm like, did someone just hand him that knife? So I went and rewinded, and yes, like, very conspicuously, somebody handed him a knife from off screen. Just an arm with a leather jacket like his from off
0: screen. Yeah. So it's not the Mystery Man, but then it is the Mystery Man, because he slashes Eddie's throat. But not enough to, like, kill him or uh, sever his vocal cords because Eddie's like, what do you guys want? And we pull out to see that the mystery man's there with him. Yeah. And he hands Eddie a little miniature TV playing one of Andy's pornos. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have this weird flashback where Marilyn Manson and Twiggy Ramirez are porn actors. And there's a snuff film where, like... Renee and Mr. Eddie are making out and watching a porno snuff film.
1: So that was Marilyn Manson.
0: <laughs> that was him. Yeah.
1: I thought so, but just, I wasn't sure.
0: Cause you know, then, he was working with, uh, I mean, Trent I mean, Reznor. The
1: soundtrack. So, I mean, it yeah. shouldn't have been that surprising.
0: But yeah. It's kind of fun. It's, it's two of the members of the band. It's him and Twiggy both just doing a oh, porno right. film.
1: Marilyn Manson is technically a band. whereas yeah. Nine Inch Nails is technically one guy.
0: <laughs> right.
1: The ladies and gentlemen, the nine-inch nails. Oh, that scene is great. So good. I did actually get that vibe from some of the stuff in uh, in
0: this movie. Oh, for sure. I mean, like Lynch's movies really echo with each other. So the in in the snuff film and stuff, it kind of blends into a video and it becomes the shot of the mystery man and Fred in the desert behind the BMW.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, like, like on as the if screen. he's watching a live uh, broadcast of himself.
0: Yeah, and the mystery man's like, now you can hand it back. <laughs> Very much like, you know, give With me back phone. my phone, yeah. yeah. And the mystery man shoots Eddie in the head. So it's uh, the Fred mystery sure man who kills Eddie. Oh, Fred yeah. didn't do anything, it was the mystery man. There, there yeah. was someone else. Fred's I, I... just wandering around confused, he's innocent. Yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't know who it was who did it, but, you know, someone else did it uh and he leans over and he whispers something in fred's ear and then he vanishes <laughs> that's the last we see of him yep <laughs> <laughs> so uh we we see detectives dusting the scene for prince or a, at andy's place
2: yeah
0: where you know he's where the he's corner. Still
2: there. Oh, yeah God.
0: where we finally get like the other shot of him from the front where we see just ah. his head with, yeah the the huge glass corner well into him
2: oh.
0: very fucked up and they're like well pete's prints are everywhere <laughs> they're all over this place because <laughs> yeah. he really did not uh, take any uh, attempt to and we see the pic from earlier yep the the but it's just the three of them now alice isn't there because there is no
1: alice there is no alice Cause and because so, this is the pic that was actually taken
0: Right, so this is just uh, Renee, Andy, and Mr. Eddie. This is the real photo, I guess. And one of the police says something that I think is really interesting that also seems sort of pivotal. It says, I think there's no such thing as a bad coincidence.
1: What does that mean? I couldn't figure that out. I Because I, like, I've heard there's no such thing as a coincidence, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think it is just basically that there's no such thing as a coincidence. But the the idea that, you know, all, all of these things uh, clearly relate to each other. You know, it, yeah. we're, uh, the things that are similar, it, it does feel like a direction about watching the movie. And like, yeah, all of these things that are similar are meant to be similar. You know, <laughs> these are not imaginary connections you're making.
1: <laughs> I do love that he kind of throws hints that lynch does he throws hints in here and there about how you could interpret the movie but he he will never explain it
0: right it's it's meant to be a puzzle box it's meant to be picked at you're supposed to interpret it like that's supposed to be the fun of it is uh choosing your own meaning for it Mm -hmm. so this is when the loop closes fred goes back home he rings the bell and he says dick laurent is dead (laughs) yeah and then the detectives show up outside and they chase him and it becomes the opening sequence again,
1: with uh, with the uh, the Bowie song too.
0: Yeah, the same song. I'm deranged. It's the reprise version. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and as he's driving, we get yeah, that white flash.
0: Yeah, we get the flash. It's the end of the Oregonian too. Right? The Oregonian is clearly doing this. (laughs) Yeah.
1: 100% this. Holy shit.
0: Because his face just starts contorting and smoking and he screams. And it's like when Pete's head burst open earlier when he teleported, I guess. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, it's also theoretically. Him in the electric chair, because, you know, he's in this bathing, this this bright coursing white light. He's screaming. He's smoking. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, um, it, it kind of seems like, yeah, he's getting electrocuted. And then he's just in the loop over and over. He's in that, like, purgatory.
1: Yeah. So So my theory, I was still, like, really high when I was done watching this. I was like, okay, so the highway in question is a a circular loop but it's not a loop of distance it's a loop of time and pullman's going one way and my original theory which i'm not super connected to anymore but like pete's going the other way and sometimes they pass by each other and sometimes they actually like drift into the other lane right and, and time's going in one direction for one of them but Not, but, like, a different, like, one direction for Pullman, but a different direction for Pete, and I felt that Pete was on the inside loop because his is a a shorter, well, like, he's younger, so he has less traveling to do. And Pullman leaving the message for himself is, like, him uh, metaphorically drifting into the other lane temporarily, Hmm. like, like at the starting line of the loop, but going in a different direction. That's, um... I it's, it's really half baked, my theory. Yeah, see, I, uh, I, it needs work.
0: Yeah, I, I, like I have a fairly comprehensive theory about this movie. It was sort of like delved into throughout the discussion. That yeah, uh, I, I do uh, feel like Fred has this constructed reality within his final moments, or within this purgatory at the end of his life, the the post-death. Yeah, it's the life flashing before your eyes thing, in a sense. But it does seem like a purgatory. Like, it seems like he's in hell and going through this over and over again.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, As we've been discussing it, like, I'm coming around more to that idea. I don't want to drop mine, but (laughs) uh, uh, yours makes so much sense. Especially when you bring up the electric chair, and I was thinking about how his head was shaking at the end.
0: And uh, one of the other things is... um, Obviously, the mystery man as as sort of all of these blank spaces, him sort of filling in the weird gaps in it uh, oh. where, you know, like, I, I don't know really how to explain the mystery man in the other version where he's just sort of this paranormal interstitial uh, where I, it, it feels like he is Fred, but he's the Fred who Fred doesn't want to recognize that he is at different times because he's right. always the one who does the bad things.
1: Right, because Fred invited him in, so he could do the bad things, so Fred wouldn't have to, or yeah, Fred wouldn't have to take, feel the shoulder the guilt or the the blame. Well, he does shoulder the blame, but he,
0: doesn't he has have the, to, the like, guilt too. But yeah. he can't fully let go of it. But like, uh, he he does this thing where he kind of deflects it to the other guy. So it's both him showing up with the camera. It's him. Invading his home. And he's sort of this unreal presence because there's no real way to explain it. Like he's an unfulfilled idea. He's sort of like maybe a concept of his defense, where it's like, no, there was this other guy. You you people don't understand. There was always this other guy, and there's just no reality to him. Yeah, Yeah, he just doesn't. Like, how?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. How are you doing this? He he just does it, you know?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: What if it wasn't him?
0: I don't know <laughs> yeah it's it's so cool. It's such an interesting puzzle box it's It's a, a beautiful, liminal movie. Uh, just so much weird atmosphere without any clear happenstance mm-hmm. like it's 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 a dream space.
1: yeah, like you say, there's all most of this movie relies on dream logic.:
0: Yeah, there's no objective reality, even though elements of it feel very real, like hyper real. Mm-hmm. but then you start examining them and the things don't fit together like none of the pieces of reality are uh, building blocks that work together in any logical fashion
1: yeah like like how how he could fall in love with her so quickly and go on so many dates in like two days
0: <laughs> yeah and and like even also take out his girlfriend and have a whole thing with her and then like come back and then get found out and then it's like who knows how long it is that how suddenly she finds out that he's been cheating on her.
2: Yeah. I don't, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's awesome. Uh, it's one I'm really glad to come back to cause I had not watched it in quite a while. And so interesting. <laughs> it really is. And, and, and important is the start of modern Lynch. like, Later Lynch, Mulholland Drive, and Inland Empire are iterations of this concept. Like, they're both the dreamscape. They're both the occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. They're uh, these loops Mm -hmm. where you have just one character who is in purgatory.
1: Yeah, like, I think there's even a bit of this in uh, Twin Peaks The Return.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, Dougie is 100% a Pete, or Pete is a Dougie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so th- I I guess that would be the other thing is uh the mystery man as tulpa but uh <laughs> oh, oh that could be that's that's another yeah. whole hmm. additional theory that you could get into cuz Yeah if he's so a tulpa that
1: that changes everything that we've been no, talking so. about
0: Right so uh any last thoughts on this one i obviously a huge recommend right Brilliant, (laughs) just amazing yeah you're gonna be thinking about this movie for a while
1: (laughs) yeah exactly um i mean i i have a whole bunch of incomplete like i could come up with incomplete half-baked theories that could be easily disproven all day but i'm I'm not gonna nail what this movie's about.
0: <laughs> no, no, it, it it takes some thinking. It's it's definitely one that you need to watch a handful of times to really get a handle on.
1: Yeah. All right. Oh man, I I, I loved it. I'm definitely cool. going back.
0: It's it's so great. Uh, so any more thoughts before we head on to part two?
1: Uh, no, I think I'm ready.
0: All righty. And we're back for part two, where we're talking about 1983's The Dead Zone, a second film we've covered in the past month, with uh, uh, directed by David Cronenberg. So there
1: was uh, this, and uh, we had done Shivers. Was there another one we did? I...
0: We didn't cover it, but we also watched Scanners.
1: Right, right. Yes.
0: Um,
1: th- this is very, very different feel from both of those.
0: Uh, this one's a very... Opinion. Yeah, it's a very carpentery feel. Uh, I think partially because uh, Deborah Hill, who produced most of the early Carpenter stuff uh, and, you know, was married to him and stuff, uh, was the producer on this as well. Oh,
1: shoot. I didn't know that. Um, I didn't get a Carpenter vibe from this. Uh, I actually got, okay, so this might be controversial, but I actually got kind of like a made-for-TV movie vibe, but like the best made-for-TV movie ever.
0: Yeah, I don't get a made-for-TV movie vibe at all because made-for-TV stuff is incredibly predictable. Like, trust me, because you have probably not watched any recently. I watched a bunch of old TV movies in the past year. Okay, You you can see what's going to happen in a TV movie at every turn. Like, there's a weird special predictability in them that's cozy. Mm -hmm. But it's like... I know exactly what's going to happen with every character here, and who the secret bad guy is going to turn out to be. After you oh, see a couple of them, very patterned.
1: Oh yeah, I think the reason why I got that feeling initially is because I've been conflating because the made-for-TV movies that I have seen have all been Stephen King adaptations. Oh. So maybe I'm thinking
0: I'm you're maybe just Stephen yeah getting King with made-for-TV. Yeah, cuz I don't cause really
1: Stephen King films or stories do have a similar feel across them.
0: Well, sure. I mean, he has a very distinct flavor and this is a really faithful adaptation. Like this is a, a really faithful Stephen King adaptation. One of oh. the most faithful up to this point, I think. Oh, really?
1: Uh, have have you read the book it's based on?
0: Yes, I have. Oh. Uh, I mean, I've read basically every Stephen King up to around 2000-ish. Oh, wow. So I, I know most of the classic ones. There's only a couple that I've not read in there, I guess. And probably all the big ones. But this one I read when I was a little kid. This is a movie I saw when I was really young because I read the book and then watched the movie. And I loved it then, too, uh, because it was very like the book. In comparison, when I read The Shining and watched that movie, I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? This is a completely different movie.
1: Uh, yeah, the only book of his I've read is The Stand.
0: mm." Yeah, no, that one, of course, does have a TV movie version, but like mm-hmm. TV miniseries, uh, fucking eight hours. I watched that one in real time when it came out on TV. Oh, nice. But yeah, I've always been a really big Stephen King fan. So uh, this one I'm really in depth with because I also watched the Anthony Michael Hall TV series based on this. Oh, uh, just religiously. There's like five seasons of it. I watched the whole damn thing. Oh, wow.
1: It does feel like it could be the premise for a TV show. And, it, and the movie kind of feels like it's like almost yeah, like it's, it's three episodes of a TV show stitched together.
0: Yeah, it's very episodic. And that sort of like pulls from the novel style where it's just him on these different adventures. Yeah, uh, but they are connected,
1: but they are separate.
0: Right. Uh, and the the. The TV show is a really weird contrast because it sort of criticizes as well. It it, uh, has him in a different era. You know, it's obviously the 2000s instead of the 80s. Uh, And it has him with a different support system. So he doesn't lose his grip on reality. And he has like people who are there to help him and. (laughs) you <laughs> know, be on his side.
1: Oh, so he doesn't uh, decide to go rogue assassin
0: mode? <laughs> well, I mean, he still finds out about this rising politician who yeah. uh is this third party candidate who uh, obviously is going to lead the world to nuclear annihilation. Same thing, uh but yeah. it's an arc over like multiple seasons and it's um uh, what's his name from The Walking Dead? <laughs> Uh, uh, the Dale from The Walking Dead, I think it is.
1: Oh uh, gosh, one of the, oh oh right yeah, Dale is one of the older guys I think who dies in season one.
0: No, like really major character. One, what one of Daryl? Like, yeah, it's Norman Reedus. It's Norman Reedus. I believe, and... if if I recall correctly, Norman Reedus was the latter day one. Maybe I'm misremembering. Oh shit. That's how I remember, I'm, I'm looking at the page, and maybe I'm wrong What's Stillson, uh, what's his, what's the character's name? Greg Stillson It's Sean Patrick Flannery, oh. from Boondock Saints, I think Really? Yeah, um, one of the Boondock Saints Not Tra- Sean Patrick who I Flannery.
1: would have thought of I mean, That's
0: right well, wow, this, <laughs> That's so
1: weird, like, Martin Sheen Nails this character.
0: He's fucking great. It's oh it's a classic <laughs> Sheen performance. Yeah,
1: I, I feel like Charlie Sheen. Uh, when he had like late two thousands, early or, or late odds, early teen, early twenty tens uh, breakdown. Based it on this Martin Sheen performance, it feels like
0: it's big. He's very growly, although he's also like super Christian, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. and that's. That's kind of the really key thing about this movie is it's from the 70s. You know, uh, 79 is when Stephen King releases the book. And it's him looking at the rising evangelical crowd in the U.S. Because, you know, this is around this is heading into the Reagan era. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And him completely getting right what these people are all about.
0: Yeah. Him (laughs) being like, these people are going to destroy the fucking country. And. It's him just sort of having this public meltdown about it, but as a book where it's like a a character who realizes the issue with these evangelicals who having this sort of power in in government being like, hey, maybe that's not a great idea. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Uh, Also, completely like unexpected Christopher Walken performance. I cannot believe. So good. I have never seen him well I've never seen him one be heroic and two be not crazy
0: although he is kind of, oh, he feels crazy. crazy at times but yeah it's 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 a real thin line uh, it, it's such an interesting performance cuz it's one of his more dramatic ones but he is very distinctly Christopher Walken at times too especially yeah. when he's when he has his psychic powers unlocked because in, oh, yeah. in the book, he has hints of them as a kid and they like oh. echo through his life and then they're fully unlocked when he gets out of the coma. And there's like a oh, okay. whole thing before the, the accident in the book, whereas here it's like the first five minutes. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, so we start with our, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and call him our hero. I, mm. He does do some He's heroic. a hero.
0: Yeah. He doesn't do anything non-heroic.
1: That's true. He only saves lives.
0: He's not an anti-hero.
1: He doesn't even kill anyone, even though he does try to once.
0: Yeah, well, that's a really interesting concept about this movie, is that it's like a movie about a political assassin who knows he's right. And it's a movie that's on his side. That's like, the movie shows how he's right. Whereas, like... Any other version of the story, this guy is this weird closed off lunatic who has been a supposed psychic working with the police. Like if we weren't with him in his head, he's the villain in the movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, except, you know, Stilson, obviously, (laughs) how it Uh, ends his career, you know? (laughs) Yeah,
1: um, I I really like I really like how it ended the way it did rather than him just killing him and having the guy be dead.
0: Mhm. It's uh, it's clever. It's a very yeah. smart way to conclude it.
1: Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it. But yeah, I really like how they how they did that. But <laughs> here we see him as a school teacher reading the Raven to his uh, to his class, and I did not. I didn't even know that this was going to be our main character because I didn't recognize him as Christopher Walken at
0: all. See, that's surprising to me because it's not only Christopher Walken, it's Christopher Walken reading The Raven in a Christopher Walken-y sort of way. Doing like a, quote, The Raven. Yeah, Nevermore. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, he he does the, the classic you know, Christopher Walken uh, pauses.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't have the crazy Walken hair and that's... And he has the mm. glasses and that threw me off. And he's like... He's dressed and looks like a mild mannered school teacher. Mm. But I I guess yeah, I guess I didn't catch the uh the walkity read of the raven. But uh yeah, uh he's dating this other teacher who is oh shoot, I forgot her name. Sarah. Sarah, yes, yes. And like they're like they're they're in love, like school children fall in love. They're like so yeah. innocent well, about it.
0: It's supposed to be, like, their eternal love. Like, this is the first love, and it's the one that he never loses. Uh, And it's sort of important to have it be this, like, really fierce, uh, burning love that he has, because there's no pause for him. Like, he has the coma, and then it's, like, the next day. The next day,
1: it's like, no, this is not your
0: life anymore. Yeah, five years have passed. Yeah, yeah. And I believe in the book, The Kid Might Be His. Oh. I—I uh, I, It's been a really long time since I read it. I last read it in the 90s, but <laughs> I my recollection is that The Kid is his, and I think in the show, The Kid is his. I think they okay. just kind of don't necessarily include that in this, or at least well yeah and, man, The
1: Kid couldn't be his in this unless the implications
0: are well yeah the the kid is too young in this like he's not five i think like he's younger
1: he's like well he's a baby at
0: the beginning right yeah whereas i i'm fairly certain he just is his kid in the other versions
1: okay okay that's that makes it interesting
0: yeah and it kind of it it makes their relationship a little bit more complex
1: yeah yeah because this um they kind of drop the relationship which completely and understandably makes sense um, given the circumstances
0: but... well it's it's not possible for him to pursue the relationship both because yes. she's married and she's married to the bad guy in a way like her in a sense yeah her husband is one of the chief campaign guys for uh, uh, Stilson mm-hmm. so she's kind of in bed with the bad guy and he has to kind of Put her at arm's length while he deals yeah. with the issue.
1: Yeah, yeah, um yeah. So they have a date where they do the whole roller coaster thing, and he's not feeling so hot. And she really wants him to stay the night, and he really is like, "I don't think I should. It's not a good idea, uh, buddy. You should have stayed the night. Uh, your life would probably be a lot better if you had."
0: Right. Well, this is what I'm saying. I think in the book. He stays and they have sex and then he drives home and and has the car accident. And that's okay. So I I think that's what actually happens. And then, you know, it's his kid and And it's sort of this whole thing. Also in the book, there's this whole thing about them going to the fortune teller at the carnival and the oh. wheel of fortune being this recurring image in the movie that sort of triggers everything and is sort of related to his power where the fortune teller knows something is happening to him tonight oh, but interesting! all of that is left out of this it's it's in both of the other versions i believe
1: uh i, I do feel like the movie didn't need that
0: no it doesn't it's it's an interesting slimmed down version but all of that stuff is sort of present in my mind when i watch it because i'm familiar with both of the other versions so much that i i kind of my mind fills in all of those little gaps
1: okay was it this movie where where you had said that this was stephen king's favorite adaptation
0: uh maybe
1: it was your favorite stephen king adaptation
0: uh, I don't. I wouldn't even say it's one of mine. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, it's one of mine, but it's not my favorite because yeah. The Shining. Well, yeah, The Shining is <laughs> like one of my top five movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, right, right. And
0: I, I mean, like, I think Stephen King originally wrote, uh, like he wrote a script for this that was rejected. Oh, <laughs> uh, interesting. Like, because I, I think Cronenberg rejected it as just being too unpleasant <laughs> to be too brutal. Yeah, this
1: is a lot.
0: It's gentle.
1: Happier. Yeah, gentle. That is the word. A lot
0: less. It's a romance. Yeah. It's, it's weirdly kind of a romance about this guy who he, he has this eternal love and then he's in a coma and he wakes up from it and his life is irrevocably altered. But he kind of finds something. He, he kind of finds a it, way to fill the gap in his life in just this really yeah, weird like, way. It's,
1: it's, a, it's a journey about finding a new purpose to his life. When his with like the new cards he's been dealt when his old his old life just won't work anymore. Like well, it's, it's been taken away from him.
0: It's it's kind of also like a reverse final destination where it's this thing where oh. he can change things that happen. But anything that he changes has a personal loss effect with it. Like it, it's a monkey paw situation where every time he uses the power, it boomerangs back on him in some way. Like something bad happens as a result of anything Good that he is able to accomplish with it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's not really they—they they never really put a it's, bow on it. It's never anything pointed at, but you can see if you like look through each part. Every time he does it, it's a huge sacrifice for him.
1: Yeah, yeah, he loses something either because of doing it or like right after doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it is because of doing it because that's right. The mother's heart attack is after she saw his press conference. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So Um, she's a much bigger character as well in the other versions. I think she's the one with a relation to Stilson as well. She's like a Stilson supporter, like, prior to him coming out of the coma. And I know in the TV show, she's, like, hyper-religious.
1: Well, she—there's hints of it here that aren't really expanded Mm -hmm. upon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, like, her whole thing, one of the main characters in the TV series was uh, David Ogden Steers uh, from MASH. You know, he's the guy who died on MASH.
1: Oh, 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 that. Oh, the guy who oh, ruled that guy. Yeah, yeah, that's. That guy.
0: So, like, yeah, the, the very famous character yeah. who was killed off Gucci on MASH. He died on his way to
1: show. his old planet.
0: Yeah, he, it spun in. There were no survivors. Uh, he's. Her priest, and he's just this constant presence in the first season, is this guy who's not quite a villain, but who is an antagonist. And it's because he's he represents the you know evangelicals as well. He's yeah. very, very religious, and he's a Stilson supporter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> this movie really highlights how
0: oh, yeah. easy it is
1: for someone like that to get into power, because...
0: Well, it's it's interesting because he's still a third party candidate. He's just going for the Senate. Like, they're, they're really dialing it back. They had no idea that you could just be a crazy, insane populist and go directly to president without having any kind of experience.
1: <laughs> well, that was still kind of a new thing back in, back
0: in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> yeah.
1: like, like, that, that wasn't...
0: That, well, populism wasn't forward. new. Yeah, Populism I mean, was really long running. It's just, I, I feel like Stephen King and Cronenberg and others recognized the pattern.
1: Mm, yeah, well, yes, I, I agree. They, they definitely did. So the accident itself is, to me, a little ridiculous.
0: It's very sudden.
1: Yeah, it's sudden. It feels like after the guy tips over the milk truck, it, it feels like it's going after him. The way it's skidding down the road and just won't stop. And I'm like, is it going down a hill? It feels like it looks like it's skidding uphill the way
0: it's shot. Yeah, momentum, you know, and and also the inevitability of it. Well, I I like certainly in in the book, it it is this whole fate thing. Okay, Uh, because, you know, it's very fatalist. And obviously he's he has to go into the coma to unleash the power for which he can uh, save the world. Like, it's, it's him finding the the purpose that he has to have, ultimately, which is very different from the way they do it in the TV series, which is sort of anti-fatalist, and is him finding new solutions to get out of these things. Like, it does replay all of the different elements that we have in the movie and in the book, but it has them with different outcomes where, you know, he's not ruined by them.
1: Right, right, Okay. I'm just thinking. In a lot of movies, this would be like a chemical truck, and he, that's where he'd get his superpowers. But it's, but it's no. It's just a milk truck, and he just gets the superpowers.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not even. Which I'm, I'm actually just...
1: okay with it. Well, I'm okay with that. I, I think it's better that it wasn't a chemical truck, and it wasn't like Daredevils yeah. and the Ninja Turtles origin
0: story. Yeah, because that'd be stupid. Like <laughs> that's not what this is about. Like the, this is sort of more about fate and uh, destiny and
1: just... yeah like, like like i i don't even necessarily think Stilson's the main antagonist rather the antagonist is Walken's or the the main conflict is Walken's journey to discover what he needs to do with this power yeah and, he like, he's how far is he willing to take this
0: yeah like he and and that, that is very much the book concept where he takes a long time to understand how he can use this power. And for a while, he resists the call. It's, you know, the classic hero refusal of the call where it's like, every time I use this, something goes wrong. It, it always boomerangs back on me. I don't want to do it anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. When he, ge- when he shows the fan mail uh, later on.
0: Fan mail. Yeah. yeah,
1: fan mail. Like the the please do this for me mail.
0: Yeah, and it would be so depressing. Whereas that's actually the plot of the show: is he answers mail and he goes on adventures. Oh, well, I mean, it's a perfect I idea, isn't it? It's a good idea, but I'm glad. Well, yeah, I mean, this for the way this version is told, it's it's the correct way to go. Where it's just yeah. he's drowning under all of this, like, like he's I drowning under the expectations. Yeah. yeah, it's like there's no way for me to do this, and I know that it has attacks. I I think he instinctively knows that every time he does something with this, it's going to take something away from him because it does.
1: Yeah, and it's not always – it's not always just him that has to shoulder the burden of of the tax
0: either. It usually isn't. It's usually – it affects a bunch of people. And, like, he's able to twist things in a way, but, like, he is still just – this one guy, and there's only so much he can do. Like, he can warn people about things, but...
1: Yeah, but they still have to listen to him or nothing will happen. Yeah. Uh, Until he finally is like, okay, this time I have to take matters into my own hands, which is such a bad idea the way he does it, but like, it... it, We'll get to it. We'll get to it. I (laughs) don't think it's a bad
0: idea. I think it's a perfect plan, and I think it's exactly what he wanted to work out.
1: Oh. Okay. I could see... Oh, my God, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. So, so yeah, he wakes up and he's first thing he's like, oh, where's all my bandages? I was in a big car accident and the parents are there. And this is the, where we see this this great line from uh, the mother. who's like I, I, my observation. What I said in the chat was like she talks like she's from the witch that we saw a few weeks ago.
0: Right. Because she's she's very religious. And I, I think it's like. She's a a Puritan type Like uh, Nixon's mom Oh,
1: okay Yeah, like he asks Do you remember in the
0: movie Nixon Where we have the flashbacks of uh, uh, Mary Steenburgen as his mom She talks like this
1: Vaguely uh, Because Nixon was a lot
0: (laughs) Yeah, Nixon fucking
1: rules (laughs) That's such a good movie Holy shit, that is so much though
0: Brilliant comedy (laughs)
1: It's hilarious. The CIA guy with like the alien eyes.
0: Ah, oh, it, it like it is a slapstick po- comedy that people are unaware of. It's a great movie.
1: Oh, Anthony Hopkins killing it despite looking nothing like Nixon.
0: Ah, oh, I I like there there is a scene I know we're getting on attention but the, the yeah. scene where uh Anthony Hopkins is deciding he's going to run again and he convinces his wife and uh, it just lives rent free in my mind He's like yeah yeah buddy <laughs> <laughs> He calls her He says yeah buddy When She's like okay I guess I'm on board for this and like, Yeah yeah buddy <laughs> oh,
1: so oh man
0: oh.
1: I could go off on tangents About great scenes from Nixon
0: <laughs> Oh we'll have to cover it sometime Because that movie fucking rocks
1: It does rock um, Yeah so what she says he asks about Sarah Because um, once he finds out he's been in a coma for five years What she says is cast her From your mind my boy she's turned Her back on you she cleaves To a new husband now
0: Indeed and he's A fucking right wing dipshit <laughs> He's he's into Far right populist candidates Like big time like he's out yeah. campaigning For them
2: yeah Yeah
0: that would be um, really Depressing not only that she left him But that she left him for that guy
1: Well yeah like when the reveal too when she shows up just like shows up
0: shows up campaigning
1: yeah yeah oh man yeah uh but i'm just like what the hell that that, that's when i kind of got a feel about what was his upbringing like if this was his mother we didn't like we don't really see it we we only kind of have to infer
0: right and he 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 clearly had a very religious upbringing
1: yeah, now I kind of get the feeling it's not addressed, but really much in the film. But he's got a very complicated relationship with uh, faith and religion at the yeah. as of the start.
0: Yes, absolutely, and and the whole time, and he he has this deep Catholic guilt, and that's really a big part of what drives him. Is that like he has this destiny that he must fulfill, and that's the same as the evangelical guy. It's just he's turning it toward different purpose
1: yeah they they do feel kind of a lot like like mirrors of one another,
0: yeah, but his is more self aware he he understands uh his background and what's driving him, and he's able to dissect it
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: so first miracle is he sees yeah. the the lady or he sees the the nurse uh her kid is is in a fire at their home
1: and This, the way they film it, like these visions must be terrifying, especially this one, because he's suddenly in a burning house. He has no context for what's happening. Uh, He's on fire. She (laughs) is on fire. No, she's not on fire because she's okay. but she's in this burning room. And he's like, he, he says to her, it's like, your daughter, the house is on fire. Your daughter, you have to go to her. She's okay, but you have to go to her. There's still time. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And there is, and, and, he, and he saves her. Yeah. And that's him coming out of the coma, basically. You know, that, yeah. this is his first big thing. This is
1: like his first thing he does. He just ends up touching her hand and then has this vision. And just, oh man, I, I can't get it out of it in my head. Like him paralyzed in a bed with sheets that are on fire.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's really cool the way they visualize all of the different uh, 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 visions because they're each one is different and each one he has a different uh amount of reality like he blends the the present and the not necessarily the past cuz sometimes he's seeing the future sometimes he's seeing yeah. what has happened but it's like him experiencing it in real time and then we're experiencing it through him so the visuals are very surreal
1: mm-hmm. yeah and like sometimes he'll be like in the scene but He can't get a look at a person's face because of where he is, and he just, because of how it works, he can't move or doesn't move. Uh, But yeah, so he manages to save her, and the Doctor's like, well, you have either a very new power or a very old one. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Dr. Lysak. Yeah, I really like the Doctor.
0: The great Herbert Lom. Oh, uh, he's in tons of stuff. Like he's I'm he's like a classic same. actor. He's in all the Pink Panther movies. Oh, cool. Uh, he's uh, he, he's one of like he's the other inspector's Inspector oh, Dreyfus okay. rather than Inspector Clouseau.
1: Right.
0: I mean he 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 was Van Helsing in one of the uh, Christopher Lee Dracula's I think. Oh, cool. uh, he was in Spartacus. He oh, was shit. the pirate.
1: Oh, that was him.
0: Yeah, he was the pirate guy.
1: Cool, cool. Oh, man, right on.
0: Uh, This is him, obviously, much later. This is, like, some 20 years later.
1: Yeah, I I like him as, like, someone who genuinely wants to support this patient through this thing, rather than someone who's like, I want to do tests on you and all that.
0: Yeah, he's a much different character in the 90s version as well, or the aughts version, I guess it is, uh, where... I think he's either Korean or Vietnamese, and there's this whole backstory about him being separated from his mother during either the Vietnam or Korean War, rather than him being uh, in the concentration camps, which is this version.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually right around here where we get the second, I guess, miracle.
0: They're kind Um, of miracles. Yeah. The visions.
1: Um, Vision, yeah, the second vision, uh, where he... Or he grabs the doctor's hand and then we see like this war scene of this child being forced to be separated from his mother. And he's like, you are the boy. You are the boy.
0: Mm-hmm. So I I really like the, the concept that Wyzak, he recognizes in a weird sort of way that these things aren't to be tampered with. And he doesn't act on the vision. So yeah, this is like, one that doesn't cost anything.
1: That's actually something I was... I was only thinking of just now what's the cost for this position? nothing because nothing gets altered yeah so he, he, he doesn't lose anything here he actually gets better he makes a pretty fast recovery for his walking all things considered
0: yeah well so in in the aughts tv show one of the main characters is his personal trainer the guy who uh his his physiotherapist right he becomes like the second lead of the show, and he's just his best friend of the whole series and that's like the character that totally doesn't exist in it he's whole cloth, and there's this whole two episode arc as I recall, where he doesn't exist where that that character isn't there, and it becomes this movie, but with what? Anthony Michael Hall and it has him die in an assassination attempt, it's great <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because what ends up happening is the doctor phones the number that he gives him, but doesn't say anything and just, well, it's not meant to be. What do you mean it's not meant to be?
0: It's not meant to be. Yeah, we, we've already passed this point. We, yeah, I, I don't need to uh, break the laws of reality here. I, it just, how do I even bridge that gap at this point? Whereas, yeah. you know, in the TV series, there's a whole part where he goes on a pilgrimage and meets her.
1: Yeah, see, I...
0: I, I, <laughs> I like this better.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize that... Like, I didn't at first interpret it as him not wanting to mess with reality. I think it was more like, like, how do I tell this woman that I'm hmm. a long-lost son from 70 years ago? Or, well, well 40 yeah, years ago.
0: Yeah, although I think there there is a certain extent to which he's like, I don't want to tamper with this. I yeah. I sense that there is... A problem here because it's the same thing he talks about when he comes back to him much later and asks about Hitler. But it's like, would yeah. you kill Hitler if you had the chance? And he's like, ah, I mean, I would have no choice there. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't like where this is going, but yes, 100% I would kill a son of a. Bitch.
0: Yeah. And that's one where it's like well you can change the past like you're already there but here like the cost just doesn't make sense it's just they are past yeah. it. it it's yeah we, like, like it wasn't meant to be because we're already way past it being able to be meaningful and and yeah sort like right
1: both now. of them have come to terms with the separation in their own way however yeah however we that ends up
0: being we don't know each other anymore. Like, yeah. uh, any sort of family connection is lost over so much time where we just had totally different lives.
1: Plus, she'd have to be like 100 years old
0: at this point. Yeah. And well, no, I, maybe not. Not know. necessarily. But, like, the the thing is, as well, it's sort of a mirror in, of what's happening with Johnny and Sarah, where they have come back together, but he has missed those years and she has gone in a different path but he can't let it be
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I do appreciate though that he also doesn't blame her for her decision
0: yeah Uh, Uh, he's a very reasonable person
1: a lot of these kinds of stories have the person be like you turned your back on me it's like dude it's been five years like yeah I'm sorry that sucks but been five years actually um, the Tom Hanks Island movie has that Castaway yeah it's like well you cheated on me with a volleyball that was wilson that was different
0: i feel like i feel like castaway was pretty mild about it too though i i think it was more just
1: that well i cried over the volleyball
0: yeah i i don't think it was all that bad about it i I, my recollection is that he comes back and he's hurt but it's still a thing where it's like well i guess i understand you know i was gone for a really long time yeah and he just sort of develops his own life uh, that, that's the whole weird part of that movie Where it goes on for a surprisingly long time After he gets back to Actually, society yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And I don't remember much of that at all I just remember the island stuff
0: It goes on for a while I watched it a few years ago It's decent, it's a fine movie
1: Yeah So, yeah, he, he decides to give Or people are asking about this power Because, of course, rumors spread fast In a uh, small town America And People are hearing about how she knew to go to the house because of this vision.
0: Right. So, so this is Castle Rock, Maine. Of course, you know Stephen yeah. King location. Small town, Maine, Castle Rock, where all of his movies take place, where all of his books take place. Uh, this one, some of it. It's so, oh, true, true, true. It true. passes through, uh, and they're all interrelated. Uh, this one, Cujo, is a sequel to this.
1: That's crazy. When you told me that, I was like, No, you must be making that
0: up. Yeah, but I'm that's, sure of course you're not. That is a weird element of it. So that, that's what we go into right now because we start with the Castle Rock Killer storyline because the sheriff comes to talk to him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we have the. Press oh, right. Conference, first, we have first. the
0: press conference with that fucking turd. The
1: fucking turd. Who I thought I thought he was a reporter. I didn't realize he was a hired goon.
0: Oh, first. he's so obviously a hired goon because he's clearly just a shill. He he's there to promote his candidate and not there to ask any actual questions
1: i i got the shill part just not like the the goon part of the goonness right. uh, but yeah he's like saying like hey do you do you think with your power do you think uh greg stillson's gonna be, win the election and of course Watkins like fucking stillson who? who what election I, i've literally been awake for 12 hours man i i haven't followed the current politics get out of here and he's like, well, how about a demonstration of your power? He's like, no, I don't want to. How about a demonstration? And he like goes up and like manhandles him. And Walken's like, you want to know how your sister killed herself? And the dude starts freaking out, like, I can't believe you just what? what the fuck are you doing? Demonstrating your powers, you freak. Mm-hmm. And oh man, like, <laughs> I hate this guy. It's like he did exactly what you wanted him to do, and you didn't like what you heard.
0: Because he didn't believe him. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the the point is that he didn't think he was for real, and yeah. he came in, and he was very surprised to learn that this is a real thing, and it fucked up, fucked him up. Uh, he actually, becomes his enemy here because he realizes, like, this guy knows shit about me.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. We don't actually find out anything about the sister or anything about that. That yeah,
0: like, well, because this thing is, is heavily drops. cut back. All of this is in the book. Oh, okay. All of this has like way more in the book. Everything that's hinted at, there's like a whole chapter of the book on it, right? Oh,
2: okay, okay.
0: This is how Stephen King works. Uh, well, it, like, yeah, <laughs> The Shining. You know, in in The Shining, you have all of those characters in the party at the end, where you just see the ghosts doing weird things. All yeah. of those characters have an entire storyline in the book. Oh, like uh, <laughs> the the character, like the the people in the fursuit get in the blowjob both of those characters have names and whole stories the shining (laughs)
1: wow reminds me of like what the fans have done with star wars
0: yeah well it it, except it's the other direction all of that stuff was cut out yeah (laughs) well uh, i do
1: think it's better without some of this stuff this could have very easily been a bloated movie but it wasn't it's it's really good i like i really love this movie actually
0: yeah, I mean, that's the point. It's, it's very well edited down. It's, it's, a, it's a good adaptation because it has all of the elements. Like, it doesn't lose anything. It just hints at these things. They're still there. And if you know the story, you can fill in those gaps. But you don't need them to be explicitly in every part of the movie. Like, you don't need to have all of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but the important thing about the press conference is that the mother is watching it.
0: And she has a fucking heart attack and drops dead.
1: Yeah, she she fucking drops dead because she is so freaked out by the by her son's new powers. Oh, yeah, not hand, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to handle, especially when you're
0: that religious. Yeah, it seems diabolical. It, it seems like he has uh, an evil power. Yeah, because like this guy's freaked out. This guy is like a Christian conservative pundit dude who uh, obviously. Is supporting this guy, who I think she supports as well. Oh, it kind of stands to reason that she would. She I know would. in the other versions she does. So the, uh, the that he has this frightening ability that uh, is very intense and you know seems to have come from nowhere. I mean that's yeah. very frightening. That is and, a dangerous thing.
1: And he gets like super intense when he's using the ability too he gets he gets really walkity intense
0: yeah Uh, well he he pulls on the energy of the 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 person that he's drawing upon like he often tends to sort of become them in a way he uh they don't do much of it with this but the castle rock killer stuff in the book and in the tv series version like he sort of inhabits the killer for a while and like says what the killer's saying and uh it's ooh. it's weird. It's a whole intense thing.
1: Yeah, that would be ooh, that'd be interesting. That whole thing with the mother, that was the price for saving the little girl. He had to lose his mother and basically become a local celebrity, which you don't want in the wrong ways.
0: Yeah, he starts getting fan mail. Everybody wants him to solve their problems.
1: Yeah. Now now we've got the Castle Rock killer.
0: Yes, Bannerman, George Bannerman, played by Tom Skerritt, who rolls. He... Uh, you know him from Alien? Oh, shit. Okay. No, he's, he's the captain on, yeah. in, on the, main, the original Nostromo.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Uh, he actually reminds me of, or rather, the sheriff from Stranger Things reminds me of him.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, of... he's surely based on him to a very significant extent. Oh, yeah. uh, he, he's okay. a character who's in a lot of Stephen King novels. Sheriff Bannerman is not just in The Dead Zone.
1: Oh, Oh, okay, he's he's a recurring character.
0: I think so. I'm like I'm ninety-nine percent certain he's at least also in needful things. Okay. Well oh, and he's definitely in Cujo because that's a continuing story. <laughs> right,
1: right. Bannerman's like tracking the serial killer for three years or whatever, but he's got nothing. No leads, no there's a very good reason he has no leads turns out but yeah he's got nothing he's getting nowhere and he's like i'm at the end of my rope i'm just gonna ask this fucking psychic and see what happens the deputy is like dude don't do this
0: right it's a hail mary but he's like ah what could it hurt
1: he's like yeah it's a waste of time but i got nothing else
0: right and of course it turns out that the deputy is the killer and it's kind of obvious pretty fast
1: is pretty fast. I actually feel like I found out later than most people did because I messaged in the chat. Although you don't know where I was in the movie when I said it, but I was like calling it now deputies, the killer. And I found out like I made that observation when they're in the tunnel investigating the first body mm. or, or the first crime scene. But the hints are there right at the very beginning from the very moment we see him. Oh yeah. And like how, with how,
0: He's trying to throw him off the path. He, he's like, no, I don't think you should uh, talk to this guy. That, that could be a problem for me. <laughs>
1: I, at first, I just dismissed it as like, yeah, of course, he doesn't believe in the psychic stuff, but he's a little too insistent on not talking to him. I really don't want you to do this, Sheriff, kind of thing. But of course he does. And of course, uh, uh, Watkins not not interested at first. He's like, I don't, I don't want to use this power. I just want to live like a normal life kind of thing.
0: Yeah, well, this is the point where he shows all the fan mail and is like, look, these yeah. people are all trying to own me. I don't really know how I can live this life, and I, I just don't want to. But he kind of has to. Like, yeah. He just can't let it go.
1: Yeah, um, I, I do like how the sheriff is just like, look, I get it. I, I understand, but if you change your mind. Like, he's not pushy about it. And, and I appreciate that because, you know, I, I get so tired of, like, all the same stuff, like the pushy. No, you got to do this. Although he does end up gotta doing it.
0: Yeah. So the the first crime scene he goes to, he doesn't have any vision. Yeah. They they take him to the tunnel and he doesn't feel anything. I feel like there's a whole thing in the book where he has a whole vision in the tunnel where he inhabits the killer. I think that's where we have that scene and there's this whole thing about him wearing a rain slicker. Mm. And he's talking about how slick he is, and yeah, I feel slick. <laughs> and I'm glad it's not in the movie because it's pretty silly. Wow. I can totally recall Anthony Michael Hall doing this bit in <laughs> the the Dead Zone episode of it, and yeah, it's goofy. Yeah. So I'm glad uh, they don't do that part. Instead, they have that amazing scene in the gazebo, which is in all of the versions, I think.
1: Oh yeah, the the gazebo scene is great because as they're investigating doing the first crime scene he gets another call like another body's been found yeah and dodd recognizes her immediately it's like oh this is so and so from the coffee shop Mm -hmm. and uh yeah walkin gets his uh his vision where he's in the gazebo but like he's behind the killer and and he can't see his face but he's all like she's not afraid of him she knows him she she doesn't see him as a threat or a killer she thinks he's a friend or an acquaintance and it's like
0: And in the background, we see the deputy leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see him uh, take off. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just out of there.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, he, he finally reveals to the sheriff, Dodd, Dodd, it's Dodd. But
0: yeah. And yeah, then they realize that he's gone. It's like, Dodd, where did he go? So they head to Dodd's house.
1: And the mother's like, no, you can't come in. He's not here. Well, his car's here. Yeah, well, he's not. So you can't come in.
0: And immediately Johnny's like, you knew. You You fucking knew.
1: This scene is, to me, like the cronenberg part of it. The the
0: Dodd suicide. Yeah, that's really fucking crazy the way he does it. It doesn't really make physical sense the way it looks ultimately, but he puts the scissors on the edge of the bathtub and just fucking rams his head into them. That
1: would not work, but
0: oh my god, it's upsetting to look at. Yeah, he, he like... It seems to do it with his mouth. So, like, it's going through the soft palate, I guess, is supposed to be. But they're sticking out so far that it doesn't seem like they could have gone far enough in to do any major uh, killing damage. It seems like he should have done it with the eyes or something. Yeah, But it's, it's still such a horrifying and disturbing image when you it's see still it, twitching. nevertheless. Yeah. Ah. And he's in the rain slicker and everything. And so, Cujo, the sequel...
1: so i never saw cujo
0: i've never watched cujo either that's the only of the major stephen king adaptations i still for some reason have not watched but i do have a copy of it and i'll get to it okay but i've read the book and the thing is uh the soul of Dodd inhabits a bat and the bat bites the dog and then transfers the soul of dodd to the dog, so it, the bat gives the dog rabies, and also the soul of Dodd, and then Dodd, you know, goes on a killing rampage as the dog.
1: And then, because he got bit by the bat, he's immune to the apocalypse disease, so he's the last dog on Earth.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's well. He gets rabies, so yeah. that that doesn't really work out. He he that just does not work. He's he's moving towards death the whole time. Oh, jeez. That's, that's so. It's weird, yeah. you, you <laughs> never think that Cujo was secretly about a cop who was a serial killer who killed himself and then his ghost is in the dog. You never know that because it's in a different movie, different book.
1: It's <laughs> ridiculous. I love it. It's so crazy.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they keep that in uh, the Cujo movie, which did come out after this, I think.
1: Oh, I hope. I, I I low-key hope they did.
0: I mean, it's entirely possible, because that's really the only supernatural element in that one.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, I thought it was, like, about a like a super monster dog or something.
0: Oh, It came out the same year, the movie adaptation. Uh, Both of them were 83. Oh, okay. I'll get to it.
1: So, yeah, he's dead, and the mother, who knew, has got a handgun. And...
0: Well, she tries to shoot at him. She, like, tries to ambush him. She shoots him, and I think she gets him in the leg or something. And That's, that's what why it
1: was, yeah. That, that's his penalty for, or his tax for this.
0: Yeah, he gets shot, and then Bannerman shoots her in the head, and she's fucking out.
1: Yeah, and now he's moving to a whole other town. He's like, okay, this power thing, too intense, just going to become tutor for school children. It's a pretty he's... important way to make a difference.
0: Yeah, and it's what he did before. He was a teacher, so he's yeah. just kind of going back to his old job, and he's just like, I'm going to pretend that none of this happened. Uh, we're we're not living that life anymore. Mm-hmm. But a real rich guy comes to him wanting him to tutor his son. Uh,
1: yeah, and he's like, well, okay, but he's got to come here. No, no, you're coming to my house. It's like, well, that's not how it works. It's like, this time it is.
0: Yeah, I'm extremely rich. Uh, and the the guy is super rich when he yeah. first goes to the house he encounters
1: oh Stilson. my god martin she this fucking incredible scenery chewing performance that i oh i love this because like it's so over the top but it's also completely real there are absolutely real dangerous people who are just
0: like this well it's interesting he's kind of playing reagan He's doing the the big charismatic superficial big actor you know uh classic you know he he he's also got a sports background he's just a regular Joe, but there's this yeah. weirdness behind him there's something fucked up behind him
1: yeah he 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 doesn't feel sincere at all, which of no, course he is
0: completely superficial,
1: yeah. But, like, yeah, he's got, like, all his campaign posters are him with a construction helmet. Like, hey, I'm a working man just like you.
0: Yeah. Which is totally false.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. And, and he's telling this story about how his other candidate, his opponent, was supposedly, allegedly, I'm sure, this, allegedly handing out money. And he's like, well, what you do is you uh, just take that money and get more if you can, and then... Just knock him for all the money he's got, and then when you go to the voting box, you vote for whoever you want to, anyway.
0: Yeah, you vote your conscience. Uh, and and he's and like, I won that district. Rah, 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 rah. And then when he goes to shake Johnny's hand on the way out, he hits him with a campaign button in between. Yeah,
1: so they don't actually so they, touch. They don't shake hands. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing, because Sheen would have no way of knowing who this guy is. He just yeah, no. That's just, just what he does.
0: Yeah, it's it's glad handing. You know, he's always on the grind.
1: Yep, he is always looking for those votes.
0: And like that Stewart guy, uh, Roger Stewart is the guy who's hired him, and he's like, yeah, that guy's a fucking fake. <laughs> Watch he out for that guy. Fake. He's dangerous. I mean, you so got to well. keep him close, but that guy is dangerous, and I just want to keep an eye on him. Like, don't vote for that guy.
1: Yeah, well, you know what. If he does win and he could I want to I make sure he remembers I was on his side
0: Yeah I mean he's a rich guy He yeah. He's playing both sides of it And he's really rich Rich enough to like start his own hockey team If he wants to
1: <laughs> I got all your friends For this hockey team I don't have friends dad That's why I hired this tutor
0: Yeah well I, I hired some friends For a hockey game
1: Oh my god that's what he fucking did That's yeah. literally what he did Wow yeah holy shit
0: doesn't work out well for those kids.
1: No, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, so so the kid, Chris, not actually that weird. He just, you know.
0: Normal kid. A little
1: quiet, normal kid.
0: He just has a rich up. dad, and he he's sort of awkward. He's probably someone who, because of his very wealthy upbringing, doesn't entirely fit in with everyday kids. Because he seems to just be going to a normal school.
1: Yeah, yeah walkin's good with his character's good with kids he, he knows this kid's deal right away he's like yeah you're a good kid you're smart i know how to get through to you
0: well he's a teacher he's done this yeah. before he's he's oh, yeah. totally uh, capable and uh, it, it's interesting that the dad is not a bad guy the dad no. is just obviously incapable of communicating with his son like he just does not have the capability of relating to him yeah he, so it's just not he, a skill he has
1: yeah, like the dad's happy that the kid is having a good time with Walken, and like he's getting. I was like, I'm, at first he's really glad that he hired him. Then Walken has his vision,
0: right? So he he is planning to do this thing where he's going to uh, have a hockey game on this frozen lake near their house, and he's set up all these me- all these nets. He's got he's bought uniforms, like complete gear. He's yeah, he's, he's kitted out he's an entire team. This
1: League or yeah a team rather out of nowhere for his kid which uh you know it's not really what the kid would be into anyways but
0: no in in so in the tv series this kid is a whole character and there's this whole arc with this kid uh it's the older brother from malcolm in the middle oh the older older brother The, the one who went to boarding school the, the one who's in military school, yeah, he's yeah. the hockey player, and he's really into hockey, and he's the one who's like, no, I want to play the game. Okay. And he and Johnny has to like try and talk him out of it, and he's really like against it and stuff. It's a whole different drama where it's not the dad, mm. <laughs> or it's partly uh, the dad because like mm. they're really serious hockey dads because like it's.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean,
0: it's the Northeast this, this and west. stuff.
1: Yeah. Or whatever, whatever it is. I'm sorry, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. So like, so yeah. Walken like goes up to the dad. He's like, "Look, you gotta call it off. Ice is gonna break." The ice. It's gonna ice break. Is gonna it's gonna break. break. <laughs> yeah, of course he has to do it like super intense.
0: This is and... the most famous line in the movie. Uh, it's <laughs> it's like very like I he he parodied it himself on Saturday Night Live.
1: Oh shit! <laughs> I didn't
0: know that. There there is a, a, a famous Saturday Night Live bit with uh, Walken where he's just a version of this character who only has premonitions of really minor things that don't matter. <laughs> oh no, no. So you're going to eat like... ice cream too fast. It's going to hurt <laughs> real bad. Right here. I'm
1: just a I don't know how it actually is, but I'm just like imagining like an ice sculpture and it's like the ice is going to break.
0: Yeah, I can't remember that that's the one that it's the eating ice cream too fast one that really sticks <laughs> in my mind but great bit. Oh
1: uh, yeah. Yeah, so
0: it so seems, the ice is gonna break.
1: The ice is gonna break. It seems like he got through to the dad, but it turns out he didn't, and the dad just agreed to call it off to get rid of Walken.
0: Yeah, and he fires him too. Yeah, basically. he fires
1: him. Yeah, he says, like, "Don't you know who I am?" It's like, "Yes, I did." I'm I'm not going to hire some random stranger without doing a background check, but I'm still not going to
0: believe you. Yeah, that's crazy. I I thought all of that bullshit was in the past. I don't want to deal with this, and uh he kind of convincingly uh, says that he's not going to do it. And the kid yeah. thinks so too. And then like yeah, the kids like, in his room later and he's like, well, are you ready to go play hockey? It's like, what? <laughs> I thought you called it off. It's like, no, of him." It's like, no, like, no. no I don't do want to play hockey. You.
1: The ice is going to break.
0: Yeah. Didn't you hear him?
1: I love how they, Oh my God. I love how they like have the vision manifest itself. He just sees a headline the next day of, Two children drowned and then we just cut to the dad like just sitting in his chair just silent staring
0: yeah and like, this one again it doesn't cost him except it costs him his job like yeah. he he is able to change it in as much as Chris lives mm-hmm. but all these other kids die and so it, it, it it's not as big of a cost and he just loses his job and his connection with this person he saved
1: yeah I appreciate that the dad had the decency to not be a dick about it and, like, accept that there's there's so much in that silent stare. He understands that those two kids drowning was still his fault.
0: Yeah, he, he knows it's his fault. He he is very aware of what he brought upon himself.
1: Yeah.
0: And then let's we had to part three of the
1: film. Yeah, let's check in on uh, Greg Stilson, because uh, uh, the, camp- the election's just around the corner, but uh-oh. Sounds like somebody might. Sounds like a newspaper right, might run a news
0: article. Can't that's that. so weird. That that scene is just like so antiquated now. That seems just oh, you're you're not gonna run that article. Like who, they would not care. Who would care about an article <laughs> now? Like it's just well, our, uh, we'll tell our base that that's bullshit. Yeah, it's
1: just and like, that'll work. Run the article. We'll even agree with it, and they love us for this shit.
0: But one of the things that I really love in this bit is where the the campaign guy comes to his door and he's like do you know about greg stilson and he like uh yeah <laughs> he and he looks- gestures behind him and there's this huge stilson billboard directly across from his house staring at him he's huge, like begin to describe oh, oh yeah it. <laughs> well it's like- just like his face staring at johnny's house which again like sort of if, if this were the whole movie and it were just this part, it is entirely a movie about this guy who becomes obsessed with a bad politician and <laughs> becomes an assassin. And it's a movie where it's like, but he's right.
1: Because mm-hmm. he has, even if he were wrong, he would have motivation to go after this guy because this politician sort of kind of in a way took his girlfriend
0: Yeah, although she's kind of not totally... She's not into it. There there is that scene, mean, I think we've kind of skated past it. we did. The scene where she comes to his house and the two of them have sex with the kid in the other room.
1: Yeah, just the one time, and it's like, yeah, well, this is never going to happen
0: again. Can't do that again. Uh, In the TV show, I feel like they end up being a couple again, or they they have an ongoing thing, and uh, I can't remember. Like, I feel like they have no association with the politician in that version. Oh, okay. Cuz I think yeah. it's the mom who does instead.
1: Right, right.
0: But it's been I think years. it's I, yeah. Oh, this is good. It it really streamlines I like the way they things. Do it here. It's, it's it's very clever.
1: Yeah, like especially the way she just walks up to his house and is like, "Oh, hi Johnny."
0: Right, cuz she doesn't know he lives here because he's moved.
1: And he doesn't know that she's married to the Stilson guy yeah yeah so like it's like hey it's
0: hey, like oh that guy? sucks I, now yeah, i'm really uh, glad i slept with you
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Cuck, yeah this asshole <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so we've got like we've got all these scenes of like Stilson's speeches uh i represent i represent the rich man the poor man the man the woman uh, every every single American. I don't care about Democrats or Republicans. I'm here for everybody.
0: Right, and, he's, he's third party, which is yeah, he's is third interesting. party, which now he would definitely run Republican.
1: He would definitely. <laughs> I mean, there's so many Greg Stilson's in the Republican Party right now.
0: But so there's the part where he has the rally like directly across the street from Johnny's house, right?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I love how he's he's basically bullying the election base into volunteering what are you doing here you don't have jobs you should be working but if you're not working you should be volunteering for me
0: it's a populist That's a, this is how populists work it's it's a very very realistic depiction of one like this, this is just classic populism everything he does
1: it's just amazing like if i had seen this if i had been old enough to see this movie when it came out i would have thought that this was an over-the-top cartoon caricature this is so real
0: I remember recognizing it as kind of eerily real when I saw this in the 90s as a kid because Mm. I was one of those kids who watched too much TV and knew way too much of what was going on with politics and was always weirded out by lot of Because, I mean, I was also reading these books. I had read this book and seen all of uh, Stephen King's uh, terror about the fucking evangelical thing to come.
1: Whereas I got all my politics from Jay Leno. (laughs) <laughs> Tonight's show, and that's a bad place To get it from
0: I mean, uh, Jay Leno is sort of The perfect boomer icon He
1: really is He so is all, By all accounts, a really nice guy In real life, though
0: Oh, sure, I mean, just He, but, he is the perfect icon for the humor And just yeah,
1: oh, That delivery <laughs> yeah. They spelled something wrong in the headline In the newspaper, and I'm going to laugh at them for it
0: Yeah, yeah Yeah, I mean, like, I've also seen some of his movies and they stink. Jay Leno's uh, in movies? Oh, there's one where there's this movie called Collision Course that's a buddy cop comedy with him and Pat Morita. Oh, it sucks. (laughs) It's fucking embarrassing. It's really (laughs) racist, as I recall. It has a lot of bad stereotypes. (laughs) Yeah. There is one movie called American Hot Wax where he's like a 50s radio DJ that was kind of fun. Okay. (laughs) I mean, Leno was in movies and was a comedian for years before he was on The Tonight Show. I
1: didn't know that. I, I had no idea where he came from.
0: <laughs> I It was a whole I, battle for The Tonight Show position. Like That was huge. He's the one who took over from Johnny Carson, and like everybody wanted it. It was a big battle between him and Letterman at the time.
1: Oh, whoa, interesting. I, I didn't know any of this. Holy shit. Oh, yeah.
0: There's a whole book about it called The Late Show. Great book. Huh,
1: interesting. Yeah, so...
0: So, we're at the the rally across the rally, from the
1: house. yes, the rally across from the house. he uh decides is it here where he shakes his hand? I think
0: this it is, is where he's finally like he battles through the crowd and he's waiting in the crowd, lurking so that as he's going through shaking hands, he'll be able to finally get a grip on him and in the book it's it's one of my favorite bits in the book is he kind of has this thought that like, well, you know, if I'm going to use this power. The best way to use the power is to make sure that the people who are being elected are people who should be. So he goes around shaking hands of people who are running for office everywhere. I love That's that his whole idea. Thing. Yeah. That's and then so cool. I'm it's so finally, he, yeah, he gets to Stilson and he has <laughs> the vision. <this laughs> Let's vision. talk
1: about the vision.
0: We've got all, they aged him
1: up. I think they did a really good job aging up uh, him and the goon.
0: Martin like Sheen ages like, up really good.
1: Like, he looks like old Martin Sheen. Yeah. Whereas,
0: whereas he's like like, so young in this movie. That's the thing. I think Martin Sheen is just someone who ages up really well. Like, he he's a guy who, who looks old when he was in his 30s. And you can make him look like a 60-year-old because he's <laughs> got just an old, angry face.
1: And, and, yeah, he's in a bathrobe in this cabin. And he's got, like, the general here. He's like, general, I need you to scan your hand on the... On the scanny thing, you know, the, nu- the nuke thing, right?
0: Yeah, he's and he's, he's like, going to do a, He's going to nuke Russia.
1: Yeah, he's like, ah, I was sent here. Oh, is it Russia? I, I wasn't sure if it was actually specified where in the movie.
0: Like, I don't think I it's it. directly specified, but I think well, it's, it's heavily 80s, implied because it's 1983. It
1: be? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Who else is it going to be? Uh, but yeah, he's like, I was sent here by God to do this thing. and This is God's will. And then he's like talking about like how he was chosen. And then eventually the general's like, no, if you don't put your hand on that thing, I'm going to take your hand off and I'm going to put it on that thing.
0: Yeah, he will kill him to to pull this off. And ultimately, it results in them firing nukes and starting World War Three.
1: There was a diplomatic solution. Now them missiles are flying now
0: too late yeah it's him having this apocalyptic vision of him being this figure of power that should not be there because he is someone who's prone to having religious visions and you don't want someone who's prone to having religious visions in charge of government with all of this firepower
1: uh one one thing i've heard i don't know who originally said it anyone who wants to be in power should not
0: be (laughs) <laughs> yeah but the, you know the, there's only so much you can do there has to be someone
1: someone has to and you're right and, <laughs> and if you force someone to do it against their will even if they're qualified it's a
0: bad idea it's also bad yeah it's just you know people shouldn't have that much unilateral power is one of the big deals but uh, the the vision is just super cool and I like that it's far in the future because he's just running for senate right now this is like a long game for him
1: yeah, this this has got to be like 20 plus years.
0: Right. And it, it's more compressed in the TV show, but it makes more sense as well because politics had also accelerated and the the populist third party candidate was already a thing like Ross Perot had come and oh, gone by yeah. the time the TV series started.
1: And I guess, yeah, Bernie Sanders started as a third party. He's not he's not even really a Democrat.
0: I guess so. Oh, I think he is now. I mean, he is.
1: He is. But like, yeah. <laughs> don't not according to the Democrats. But that's a whole other thing. Uh, but yeah, so after having that vision, this is when he goes to the doctor and he's like, "If you would could you have killed back, Hitler? If you could go back in time, knowing what you know now, would you kill Hitler?" And he's like, no, "I don't know, like where this is going." But yes, yes. And then I was like, "Wow, that was really easy." And then he says something like, "I think it's in Hebrew." Uh,
0: I don't, I, I don't remember.
1: catch what he says, but I think it's in Hebrew, and I'm like, oh! And it's at this point that I clicked. I don't know why it didn't click before that. It's like it's World War Two.
0: Oh, you separated
1: from his mother. I didn't yeah. get that. I was thought it was because I didn't realize that, like the timelines and stuff. I was like, a oh, war.
0: Oh yeah, it's very explicit in the book. I think he's mentioned it. Like I think they even mention him having uh, a number uh, tattooed on his wrist. Uh, as the uh, doctor, like him being from a concentration camp or something. I,
1: yeah, I had a When I was young, I had an elderly uh, Polish neighbor. Mm,
0: who Had yeah. escaped. Yeah.
1: Uh, I didn't ask him about it ever.
0: No. No. I mean, you you would have heard horrible things. Uh, yeah. I. I, I I've anything, studied it heavily. But, yeah, yeah,
1: I, I didn't hear anything. But I was like, my parents were like, yeah, don't ask him about that. Just don't do it.
0: See, th- this is another thing that like I was too. I, I was way too ahead of things. I read Mouse. Are you familiar with Mouse?
1: Vaguely, no, I haven't read it, but oh, is that one of the ones that's recently been banned?
0: It's been banned various times. It's a thing that happens a lot. The, they, uh, one of the ones Art went too bad. Yeah, Art Spiegelman talks about that quite a bit, and he he's a real advocate for uh, uh, the non-banning of books, like to, talking about why books are banned and the 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 dangers behind it. Uh, so uh, Spiegelman did Mouse. Uh, so mouse is uh, a comic book or graphic novel where the jewish are portrayed as mice and the nazis are portrayed as cats in world war ii and it's his own uh, it's the story of his dad so it's a true story it's all of his dad's experiences in a concentration camp uh in world war ii and Also his later life and how he's dealt with it and all the psychological trauma that it's dealt him and the way it uh, affected his own upbringing as a child and how uh, it it harmed his mother, who was also a survivor. So very intense book. Very, very intense. Very disturbing. I read that like in grade four. So I was already pretty well aware of all of this stuff coming into this movie and reading this book. So, yeah. I was
1: pretty clueless about most things until i was a teenager (laughs) and when i was a teenager i didn't necessarily get informed of things in the best way right so uh, yeah yeah i i i thought stuff like that was like i didn't think it was real
0: right i i i I was precocious mostly good i guess but uh it, it hasn't made me the most uh stable individual i guess <laughs> yeah, that's fair That's fair. <laughs> the curse of lot. knowing yeah. it's it's exactly what johnny yeah. deals with he has the curse of knowing yeah like and and that's the stephen king thing as well and it, the whole thing about the evangelicals in government it's like this is his howl of frustrations is like why do people not see the extreme danger we're putting ourselves in it was just a howl of frustration at the politics that were starting to come down the pipe at the beginning of the 80s.
1: Yeah, so uh, Walken devises a plan, and at the time I'm thinking it's not a very good plan because his plan is he's going to uh, go into the, the place where he's having the rally, assassinate with him with a rifle, and I'm like, how good are you with the rifle there, Walken?
0: We've never seen him hold a gun before, so it doesn't seem like he's necessarily all that great with it.
1: We do see him struggle to load it.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> like, I don't think he really had any necessary intention of killing Stilson, although he does shoot at him. He does. Yeah, so
1: the big, the big climax scene here.
0: It's very uh, fast. It's over it's so quick.
1: Re- oh, yeah. I was literally like, oh, I guess that's it. I guess the movie's over now. Mm-hmm. He takes uh, a single shot. Well, first he sees that um, Sarah... And husband guy, whatever, and the baby are on stage with him. Uh, he takes a single shot, misses predictably, and then still said, This is the baby. Me. He grabs the <laughs> baby and
0: uses it as a
1: human shield. And everybody's like freaking the fuck out. Of course, Walken doesn't take another shot, but he yeah. gets shot by the goon. Right. And yeah, like people are taking photographs and and like videos and all this stuff.
0: It's it's like the scene in um, the the Simpsons one where Burns is running for governor and uh, he spits out the fish and it's all the photographers clicking and like Rowan before I hit him and hit the ground. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my god, yeah. So like, uh, Stilson confronts Walken, who like grabs his hand and we got a new vision. Stilson is like got a gun to his own head on the table. There's this magazine, huge. Amazing photograph of like him with his giant face and poster in the background, holding up this baby as a human shield, and it's like Stilson ruined.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's heard... destroyed. Yeah, and he shoots yeah. himself.
1: Yeah, we hear a gunshot and just blood on the on the magazine. I like this ending better than if Walken had killed him.
0: Oh, it's perfect. It's such a great way of ending it because he shows the rot rather than being just this lone assassin who is dangerous. Like, it, it's, yeah. it, it makes him the hero in a really unusual way, where he does the right thing, uh, even though, like, he's unsuccessful as, as an as an assassin. He succeeds in taking down his target.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, but, but if he killed him, Stilson would have died a hero. Walken would have died, like, a villain.
0: Mm-hmm. And, whereas, and he's still like he's still, he's still controversial like he would still be someone that everyone thinks is a crazy it's just he would also be uh, right like ultimately they're like well i mean he did end that guy who stinks so
1: yeah, it's like, like he's a crazy assassin but that guy just shielded himself with a baby yeah like i'm the asshole subreddit this would be a the general consensus would be everyone sucks here
0: yeah uh and, and uh it, it's interesting he's he's it, it's sort of like the guy who took a shot at reagan it's like everyone's like well i mean that guy's not so bad is he <laughs> He was crazy he but
1: a musical career
0: yeah he's out now yeah i was like well i mean he was sort of right wasn't he sort of yeah. no well he was crazy he I mean, he, he was wasn't crazy, doing but... it for political reasons he was doing it because he was yeah. out of his mind <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, the, the, that's, that's sort of the concept of this movie Is it's taking someone who's an assassin And saying no they're the good guy And they were right And they knew secret knowledge And that's they why it had a patsy. to be better. Yeah he wasn't going to be a patsy Yeah but yeah, pretty cool It's its yeah. a really wild way to end it I, I love uh, Walken And Machine They're both so good in this
1: mm-hmm. I wish Walken didn't die But there was no other way that they could have ended mm-hmm. it
0: yeah. Uh, so yeah, he dies in Sarah's arms. She yes. she says that she loves him still. So he she ha- he has also managed to destroy that marriage, which is also good. <laughs>
1: yeah, it is. Kid doesn't need someone like that for a dad.
0: Yeah, you, you don't want someone who supports crazy far right populists. That's uh that's a problem. That's that's dangerous.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh wow. Fucking great movie. Like I actually, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for how much I was going to like this.
0: It's so good. I, I do think it's one of the best Stephen King adaptations after The Shining, and and it's the one that's the most faithful. Like in terms of the Stephen King adaptations that are acceptable to Stephen King, (laughs) this one's really (laughs) good.
1: Oh man! Although I like that one, like Mist or the Fog.
0: The Um, Mist is really good. That one's very interesting. That one.
1: Like, the ending that Stephen King thought was like, holy shit, that was dark.
0: Right. And that's another one that's about evangelicals, too. Very heavily, both in the book and in the movie. Because there's that one character who kind of ruins everything for everyone when they're trapped in the supermarket Mm -hmm. who's super religious. Yeah. Right, right. Like, it's a stick that he's been beating for... 40 50 years now and uh i mean he still is and he's right,
1: <laughs> well, he's, right. He me, he's, he's going to get he's going against friggin' elon musk now
0: that was the funniest thing they, they, like it's it's a funny time for us to be talking about this one because it's right after stephen king dictated the price of the blue check before <laughs> it went under
1: it was supposed to be 20 bucks and stephen king's like no you should be paying me and elon's like would you pay eight bucks
0: And so eight bucks became the price because Stephen King was like, "Hey, fuck you." (laughs) Of course, funny,
1: so funny. Uh,
0: Uh, And yeah, yeah, but since we're we're at the point, of course, now where uh, the blue check has been eliminated, and it's just uh, the whole thing's going down the tubes. Interesting period of time right now, but (laughs) I
1: I feel weirdly sad because while Twitter is a cesspool. It's a cesspool that had some value, and now it has no
0: value. Anyway. It is valueless. I was never really a fan, but <laughs> it's I, I super got valueless now. Of it. Uh, yeah, then, yeah, no, I mean, garbage, there were some yeah. fun accounts. I, there there were lots of fun accounts that I follow, and still follow if I ever open it again. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I haven't in some Twitter's time. Twitter's
1: where we got drill that's true drill drill doesn't really work outside of twitter well maybe he will who knows
0: i mean i have a book by drill i yeah, follow I drill on letterboxd <laughs>
1: on oh, Letterboxd. Like, oh shit that's right
0: yeah he has fun <laughs> i need movies. to follow him
1: on letterboxd
0: yeah <laughs> so oh, any last thoughts on cronenberg's the dead zone before we move on to our final section
1: I still keep forgetting that it's Cronenberg because
0: it doesn't... Yeah, it's it's less Cronenberg-y from, than uh, most of his stuff.
1: Yeah, aside from the one suicide scene, it's really it's really not really anything Cronenberg-y in it, but it's so good.
0: It's got his visual sense uh, and mm-hmm. it, it has sort of the the feel of his later movies like you've really only seen his 70s stuff i guess that's true uh, and and as he goes on he he sort of does develop a very distinct visual style that's sort of elegant in a way but like cold icy there, there's a lot of cold to this like you really feel the temperature of the film at all times
1: you know yeah it kind of feels like it doesn't feel like a christmas movie but definitely a
0: winter movie mm, it's it's very full of cold imagery Everyone's in mufflers and big coats. Mm -hmm. Some real great sweaters that uh, Walken (laughs) has in this.
1: Oh, God, some of the coats that he wears. Mm -hmm. This might be the only time I've seen Walken, like, act,
0: act. This is definitely one of his great performances, I think. Just a really strong Walken performance. I've
1: never seen anything like this from him before.
0: Because, like, Uh, most of the stuff you've seen probably is his later days where he's kind of up, to, like, his legend is caught up to him, and he's allowed to just kind of have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, to
1: me, my first exposure to Christopher Walken was the Fat Boy Slim video.
0: Right? Yeah. Where
1: he's dancing and flying through the hotel.
0: Weapon of Choice.
1: Yeah.
0: Weapon of Choice fucking rules.
1: I kind of started working my way backwards. I found him in Pulp Fiction.
0: That's probably backwards. where I saw him first, is Pulp Fiction. I saw that movie again, like, I saw that. I would have been 12 or 13, I guess, because I rented on VHS when it was new. I got my parents to rent it and watch it. and It was too weird <laughs> for them, <laughs> but I loved it. I, I, like, I, I remember that very distinct period where I was too young to go to R-rated movies, but I could get my parents to rent stuff and watch it. So I watched things like Pulp Fiction and Fargo, and I loved them so much, and my parents <laughs> were completely <laughs> mystified. <laughs> right on. Oh, good times. But yeah, Walken so good in this. Scarret really great in and as the the sheriff, Herbert Lom is
1: black. Yeah, is I, I really like this character.
0: Deep cast, like everyone is really good. Uh, everyone's just kind of pitch perfect. It, it, it's got just a real mood to it. It's it's a very moody movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like a strangely depressive one. Okay, one where the 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 hero does die at the end, but sort of achieves this pyrrhic victory by sacrificing himself so that the world can survive
1: yeah and like you said earlier it's it's really gentle too like Mm -hmm. it doesn't shove anything in your face it's not like
0: well yeah even even the suicide right yeah we see the aftermath we see him about to do it and then we see him after having done it but you don't see the violence of it you never see any violent thing happen you just see the after effects of it Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) this movie makes me happy
0: it's weirdly cozy (laughs) breezes
1: breezes through i normally can't sit through a two-hour movie without having to take a break but i did this one in one sitting
0: yeah it's it's a strangely cozy one uh i i it's it's like the Stephen king or the uh the the stanley kubrick stuff we've talked about where just the spaces in it are strangely comforting even though what's happening in them isn't
1: Mm, yeah yeah actually yeah the, the some of the kubrick movies are other ones where i've Oh no! I had to take a break watching Space Odyssey because I had to
0: get really get high started. before the fucking, <laughs> fucking. Jupiter but that's bit. different, and that's also different. that's way longer. That movie's like two and a half hours.
1: Yeah, yeah. This one's a breezy hour forty-five that felt like an hour i just i love everything about this movie
0: yeah it's great it's it's uh totally one of the best uh stephen king adaptations because it's just streamlined enough while still keeping all of the character like all of it's still there it's just if you know the story coming into it it's richer mm, that's great okay. that's such a good yeah. way of doing it
1: yeah yeah I, I, I love it i love it
0: right on so any last thoughts before we head on into part three
1: no i think I think I've covered it righty,
0: and we're back for part three where we we're talking about the watched stacks stuff we've watched in the past week, deciding what we're gonna cover this next week. All right, we've got eleven picks here, but it's maybe a thinner selection than it looks like, okay <laughs> so. Uh... First up is The Iceman Cometh, and I talked about this one last week, but I was reading the wrong synopsis, so it's a completely different movie than I described. (laughs) Uh, It is a Tokyo film, like a a Tokyo wuxia 80s thing. It's very weird, though. So it's like it starts in the Ming Dynasty 300 years ago, and there's these guys having a big wuxia battle whole honor thing they're up on top of a mountain there's magical artifact uh, the the wheel of life and death which belonged to the buddha and uh they they get in this big battle and they roll down the side of the mountain into a frozen lake
1: i'm so into this
0: <laughs> and then 300 years later scientists find them in this ice cube <laughs> and they thaw them out by accident and uh like it becomes a fish-out-of-water comedy for, like, a long <laughs> section of time. Okay. <laughs> where the hero hooks up with a prostitute, but he doesn't know that she is. And it's him just trying to live in the modern world with his knowledge of only the Ming dynasty, where he was a royal guard. Oh. <laughs> and ultimately, the other guy who was frozen, who was a serial killer back then, comes back. And now he's obviously a serial killer now, and he becomes super criminal. And of course. he has this whole plot where he's going to take a whole bunch of automatic weapons back in time to the Ming Dynasty and take over. So the other guy has to stop.
1: Sure. <laughs> All right. All right.
0: It's goofy. It's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> strange, strange movie. Cool. Next up is Dr. Sleep. We've got another Stephen King adaptation. Now,
1: this is the Shining sequel, correct?
0: Right, the one that came out in 2019. Uh, An interesting balancing act, because it's a sequel to, or, you know, it's an adaptation of Stephen King's book, which came out in 2012, which is a sequel to his book. (laughs) Which is pretty
1: different from the movie.
0: Very different from the, uh, especially the ending of The Shining, uh, the Kubrick version. But this movie is both an adaptation of his book, but a sequel to kubrick's shining that sounds like it
1: would be so hard to do correctly
0: it's very impressive like it's the thing i'm most impressed by is how well he's able to thread the needle of it being both kubrick and king's sensibilities as well as both storylines because you know dick halloran in the movie is killed but in the book survives and lives on as his mentor Okay. So they have to bridge that gap. Uh, obviously, at the be, at the end of Stephen King's novel, the hotel is destroyed, but in the movie, it isn't and it's still yeah. there. So you know, you, you you got a lot of things to sort of bridge gaps, and how also would... just stylistically. Okay, but I'm, it's I'm just
1: trying to imagine how you could even do that.
0: Well, it one of the big things is it there's a huge gap of time. So okay. it, it's it's more a movie about addiction and it's sort of kind of reflecting it, it's it's Danny's story from the trauma he's received and Uh-oh. him becoming an addict. So, OK,
1: so th- th- that other stuff would be less important.
0: Right. So he becomes an alcoholic to deal with both the trauma and his powers, which are okay. horrifying to him, you know, much like uh, they're uh, uh, a nightmare for Walken in the dead right, zone. Yeah. Right? yeah. But ultimately, you know, he finally spends a lot of years in the wilderness and just denying his power. But ultimately, he ends up working as a ho- at a hospice, and he's Dr. Sleep. He knows when people are going to die, and he goes to comfort them.
1: Okay, okay, cool,
0: cool. Yeah, but that's not the plot of the movie. That's all just background. Oh, <laughs> oh
1: man, okay. I was like, oh, no, are you
0: telling me the whole thing?
1: Holy okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, okay, right on, right
0: on. Cause He, it's like, remember Child's Play 3, how I had that whole theory about it being sort of him, uh, Andy, growing up and becoming the uh, protector that he didn't have when he was a child. Danny does this. He finds this girl, Abra, who has an extremely powerful version of The Shining, much more powerful than his own. And he becomes her protector and guides her through this thing, because the plot in this one is there's this and again, this is very on the nose and very much about evangelical Christians.
1: <laughs> I'm starting to think psych-
0: Stephen King a running thing. Cool. Yeah. Uh, there's this group of old money RVing vampires who oh feed off young psychics exclusively. And their thing is like they got to cause the most pain possible to get the most uh, juice out of these psychics. So. You know they're they're driving around they're you know just living off the young <laughs> with their old money and just traveling around in a caravan. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's really on the nose. They're very wooey woo. You know they're all very spiritual, and yeah, it's you know them setting traps for them and kind of dealing with the threat of them. Okay, it's it, you know it's, it's it's very good. It's quite a good mm-hmm. movie. I don't totally love it, but it is uh, super well accomplished and it's a real mood. Like, it, it's surprising how well it captures both the mood and style of Kubrick's The Shining, but kind of uh, really gets into the sadness of the trauma of it all and the just, it, it's not afraid to be downbeat and slow.
1: Okay. I'm interested.
0: That's a good movie. I've
1: heard mixed things about it online, but you're selling me on it. Uh,
0: it's it's one that I think it, it initially people were sort of like, man, that's a really long, slow movie. But uh, the the reputation has uh, gradually increased. And there's a director's covet, which is actually considerably longer and is better. Like it's just it, it fills in it, it. It just the pacing works better. You get a few more character moments that really develop everything. OK, it's a good movie. Cool. Next up, we've got Bad Girls Go to Hell. Uh, I described this as Doris Wishman's Lost Highway. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you remember Doris Wishman, right? I, I watched a bunch of her movies a little while back. Oh, with the girl with the boobs? Chesty Morgan with that's the it. Double Agent 74, the 74 inch bust. Uh, this is an earlier movie. This is sort of the iconic Doris Wishman film. Okay this one there's this housewife and she's a little dim <laughs> all, right. all right and uh her her husband goes away for the day and she's stuck at home and like we just watch her in her lingerie doing a real half ass job cleaning the apartment <laughs> for a really long time and then she goes out into the hall in her very skimpy lingerie and encounters the janitor who tries to sexually assault her but then, you know, a neighbor comes out, so he takes off. But then he leaves a note saying to come to his apartment. All and right. For some reason, she does. And then she's very <laughs> surprised when he attacks her again. <laughs> so she kills. Surprise
1: him. Pikachu face.
0: Yeah. So she murders him. She kills him with an ashtray, which is great. Cool. And then she figures, well, oh, there's there's no other way around it. I've killed a man. I have to go on the run. And she just goes on the run. And... Everywhere she goes, she's she obliviously enters these situations of sexual menace. (laughs) And then, like, you know, it happens and then like she she moves into a new apartment and there's this recurring image of her leaving the apartment with a grim face, wearing her same sailor suit with her two pieces of luggage. And like by the fifth time I was laughing my ass off, (laughs) It's like, oh, lady, you're not getting it. Uh, uh. It's it's weird because it, it it's also a loop like it, it it is actually a loop like she's a bad girl and she goes to hell so it's just her in in this loop of doing these <laughs> making these stupid mistakes.
1: Interesting. <laughs> uh,
0: next up, we've got the Naked Witch. Oh, this is a documentary partially, like the first twenty minutes are sort of documentary style like i don't really want to call it a documentary because it's all about how witches are totally real (laughs) right right which of course yeah (laughs) no like they, they have this whole background where Like, they do acknowledge that, you know, there were false accusations of witchery and stuff, and uh, it was used as a tool of oppression, but they're also like, witches were totally real, and they did all of these things, and uh, ultimately the church got rid of them, so we don't need to worry about them anymore.
1: (laughs) There were witches at Peter's Rock, just not any of the ones who were accused and burned and all that.
0: Yeah, so then it suddenly becomes... A plot movie where this guy who's in college, he goes to visit a small town in Texas and the, the, he's doing this report on small, uh, heavily Germanic towns in Texas that are like still speak German and have like classical uh, German architecture. OK. And he's like, this is where witchcraft was in Texas and, you know, 100 years ago. So he goes looking for witches. And he he finds he, he stays at in an inn and it tells a story about a witch who was not really a witch like it, it's it's this weird it, it's this same half thing where it's like well there was this guy who accused her of being a witch and then uh, he was like because he was sleeping with her and he didn't want his wife to find out so he called her a witch and then they executed her
1: right as you did back
0: then right so they they put a stake in her and buried her in a shallow grave just outside behind the inn so he goes out and digs it up and takes the stake out obviously of course and then obviously she's a naked witch she rises up naked from the grave and she goes and kills some people and <laughs> <laughs>
1: so it's not really a documentary
0: No, and it turns out like yeah i guess she was a witch even though she wasn't a witch when they killed her for being a witch but then she became a witch because of her vengeance i guess and then i don't know
1: (laughs) well if you're gonna treat me like a witch i might as well be a witch
0: right and like it seems like you know she kills four or five people and you know she's doing all this stuff but mostly it's just her doing interpretive dance like this movie's <laughs> less than an hour long and it feels like it's two and a half it's crazy <laughs> next we got violated and <laughs> so like it's 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 a it's a proto slasher but in 1953 <laughs> okay uh made in new york on no budget just <laughs> zero budget it's it's about you know a uh, a mad uh scalper who's you know finding uh photographic models and scalping them and it's really obvious who's doing it right from the beginning (laughs) (laughs) they they take a long time to get to it but it's really obvious from the first time you meet the guy and there's this one guy who's also a really obvious red herring and they catch him or they like they arrest him and then they just drop that thread entirely and go into the other guy being the killer. It's it's like, you know, it's really poor quality. Uh, and, and of course, ultimately at the end, you know, it's brilliant police work that solves the case. Oh,
1: like always.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, next, we've got The Ghosts of Hanley House. Have you ever seen The Haunting? Classic 60s, 64 <sighs> movie?
1: I, I may have, but I've seen so many like Haunted House movies right. that I can't be sure.
0: This is kind of like the big iconic one. Uh, Remade as The Haunting of Hill House recently on Netflix. Okay. Uh, It it had uh, Russ Tamlin in the original movie version. Dr. Jacoby Uh, on Twin Peaks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, of course,
0: Al Adamson. uh, Right. Yeah. He's in in all sorts of Al Adamson movies. Yeah. So this is kind of the haunting, uh, except, you know, there's – the the concept of the haunting they have this haunted house and he's paying some people to go stay in it to prove that it's haunted, you know, right. basic concept, right? Yeah,
1: Simpsons did it.
0: Yeah, uh, B- much, much
1: more later.
0: Yeah, and this is that, but like real real low budget and very sleepy although it gets bizarre at the end because there's this whole elaborate story where one of the people who's in the house was involved with a bunch of murders and i don't know it gets complicated but i was kind of almost asleep by the end of it because it it's, <laughs> takes way too long to get there okay <laughs> even though again it's like i don't know 67 minutes or something <laughs> <laughs> they're not, they're not quick ones. This was a, a four-film thing. This is a new set from Agfa that is called their um, uh, the the Rama Video Party, and it's four movies that you know they they only have old VHS stuff for, like, the original film elements are lost. Right. So it's the four of those with a whole bunch of crazy old drive-in ads in between. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a good way to spend an afternoon, but each of these films is bad. <laughs> okay. Like fucking bad. Uh, <laughs> the last of them is Passion in the Sun, which is like a nudie cutie. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if I've talked about nudie cuties on here before. Uh, have I?
1: I, I think you have, but I don't recall
0: <laughs> it's kind of like a precursor to pornography because uh you couldn't have uh anything hardcore at this time but you could have nudity if it were sort of tied into the plot like they was set at a nudist camp or something right okay okay so this one uh it's it's a chase sequence <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um the this lady gets pulled into a car like she's a burlesque dancer and she gets pulled into a car with these criminals and there's this briefcase and they have her in the briefcase and then she gets away and then she's running away with the briefcase and then there's people chasing her and that's like 75 minutes <laughs> like <laughs> most of the time she's like she has frequent stops where like she just gets completely undressed and sunbaths naked for a while and sure. it's also intercut with all these burlesque show sequences where there's just strippers doing (laughs) stripping because like at the end of the movie the cops solve the case well they stumble upon the case being solved so they take credit for it and then they get the evening off so they go to a strip club and for some reason the movie is intercut with them being at the strip club at the end of the day after (laughs) having succeeded weird movie right. Uh, Next up is Death Brings Roses, which is uh, another extremely low-budget film, a New Orleans crime drama. Not a lot happens. There's, like, (laughs) this dude who comes to New Orleans, he's, like, on the run from a manslaughter charge, and he starts working for this dude, and then the guy gets killed by gangsters, and it turns out he's this key gangster himself and he's left his entire business to the guy and then everybody wants the business and wants to deal with all of it and it's very complicated but not a lot happens (laughs) all right uh henny youngman is a major character in it you know the famous comic take my wife please oh okay He's in it as himself, but like also <laughs> as like a character involved in the story. There's a part where he says, I don't talk to cops, which was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Next up we've got Eyes Wide Shut, the final Kubrick film.
1: I've been meaning to watch this.
0: It's like a very lost highway Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's it's a dream. Uh, it's based on a, a 20s novel called traum novelle dream novel dream story and it's unclear how much of what happens is real and how much is imagined how much it is in his head and it's sort of all this weird sexual nightmare so tom cruise and nicole kidman yeah. are this married couple and they they go to this party and after they come back they're, they're the two of them are smoking weed together And they get into a weird argument and she's just kind of having fun talking about sexual desire and it like blows his mind. He never realized that people had sexual desire. It's like Tom Cruise understanding sexuality all of a sudden and it just shakes him. (laughs) He has a whole existential crisis over it and he just goes out into the night and realizes that he's hot and that everyone wants him and (laughs) It's like suddenly the world is so alive with sex that it's terrifying, but also he, he's totally obsessed and he just goes down this rabbit hole of perversion.
1: <laughs> this sounds amazing.
0: The, the amazing thing is it's just like, you know, it's all sets, so it's very unreal, but it's nighttime in New York at Christmas, so there's just Christmas lights Everywhere, like the, the it's maybe the most beautiful looking Kubrick film, because it's just Christmas lights all the time <laughs> <I'm>
1: saying something.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like a merger. It, you know, it's it's like within that coziness of the dead zone where it's very cold. You, you know, it's very icy all the time. You got frost on all the windows. But the warmth of all of these Christmas lights everywhere. Very unusual. But I, I feel it's almost a comedy with him just totally not getting the situation he's in at every turn. Cause like he's a doctor. Yeah. So his thing, he has his doctor's ID and he keeps going to places and showing it like he's an FBI. <laughs> and it's like, he's doing all these things that are sort of supposed to be clandestine. He's absolutely, you know, shocked Pikachu face when people just know everything he's done for the past day. Cause it's like, and you've been showing everyone your fucking ID. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. quite a thing. Uh I mean, I don't love it as much as some of the other ones. And I know like this is one that's been really reclaimed since it came out, because it was it was hated when it was new. Right. Uh but I, I really like it, but it is uh, one that I is still a little bit elusive for me. I don't love it the way I love, you know, the shining or uh, 2001 or Clockwork Orange, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's great. It's it's really fucking weird. Yeah, uh, right next up, we've got uh, Helicopter Canada, which is the one where uh, it's from 1967, the centennial. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. And they, they put a Cinerama camera, you know, Cinerama, which is the curved screen, which is like three screens together, so super, yeah. super wide. They attach one of those to a helicopter and just fly all the way across Canada to just show off classic Canadian scenery and stuff. Uh, the, the narrator is sort of like, you know, lightly joking most of the time. Some of it's, you know, not not super current. Like there, there's it opens with just a bunch of pasty white people on a beach and it says these are native Canadians. Like, oh, uh, no, really, they're not. It's well, not really. <laughs> what No. Uh but like the scenery is amazing, you know, it's just cool to see helicopter footage of all of Canada. Although they don't get to the island, they stop at Vancouver. I was like, "Oh, come on. You're not going to come out to the capital of BC? Shit. There is a part with the Beatles." Okay. Because it's you know it's 1967 when 66 right. I guess when they're filming it so the Beatles were on one of their last tours I imagine and it's just a part where the helicopters chasing after them and they're like waving out their car window and like <laughs> okay <laughs> weird that that sounds so chill it's great like I really enjoyed watching it but I I guess it would be tough to talk about but the thing is it's. <laughs> Part of a set with also Buster Keaton Rides Again. So if we oh. were to cover it, we would probably need to do both because both of them are less than an hour long. Okay. Uh, but Buster Keaton Rides Again is a documentary about the making of Keaton's very last movie, The Rail Rotter, oh, uh, which yeah. is also we, we included. We talked
1: about this briefly
0: uh, right, yeah. a while back. So in The Rail Rotter, uh Buster Keaton is in London and he's reading a newspaper that says, See Canada Today. So he Pops off a bridge and he swims across the ocean and he comes on the beach <laughs> and the east coast
1: okay cool
0: and on the east coast he sees one of those uh cn railway speeders like you know those little maintenance cars that ride oh, on the rails yeah, yeah and he rides it all the way across canada <laughs> encountering <laughs> various things along the way you know just various mayhem
1: sure that that sounds actually that sounds really cool too
0: it's pretty fun. It's it's like a 25 minute short, and uh, you know it's it's pretty fun. Uh, and then they did the making of documentary, which is also sort of a history of his life and how he grew up in vaudeville. And it, it's very w- warts and all. It's it's quite aware of how difficult to work with he can be and how you know he's had problems in his past with alcoholism that sort of destroyed his career at various times it's pretty frank about that stuff but you know it's also showing that he's this incredible physical comedian who still in you know at the very end of his life because you know he died a year later i think and he was dying of lung cancer at the time but he's still doing crazy railroad stunts <laughs> like he, he's just into that shit it's the the thing that drives him
1: that sounds really interesting.
0: That's pretty cool. So those are our picks for this week. Uh what do you think for our second feature?
1: Well, um, you know, I'm uh gosh, I I'm really considering the uh the Keaton helicopter combo. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh any questions, any any uh thoughts on any of these that you'd like to clear up?
1: Um uh... Now, you, you described Eyes Wide Shut as more of a comedy. Like, would you say it's... Because I kind of want to move away from horror beca- this week because we've been doing it for, like, more than a month now.
0: Yeah, um, like probably six weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know. Yeah, so, like, would you say that Eyes Wide Shut falls into the horror category or not really?
0: Uh, I mean, it's sometimes described as an erotic thriller, I guess. Oh, okay. uh, and it, it, like there, there's sort of like it. it the, the comedy is more inferred. Like it, it's another one of these where you don't you kind of have to get in a certain vibe to see the humor in it, much like some of Kubrick's other ones where it's not outright funny, but you you kind of get a realization of the way this character is doing things and it becomes funny because you realize how absurd they are. Okay, okay, interesting. Like I say, with him flashing his fucking doctor's badge or doctor's <laughs> ID, like it's a badge oh, everywhere it goes. It's very funny to me. There's a scene where Alan Cumming is a uh, bellhop who is, a, he, he's like a gay desk clerk at a hotel who is obviously... Nakedly into Cruz And he is just trying not to notice it
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, That's oh, That does sound fun uh, You know what? Let's do Eyes Wide Shut
0: Alright, conclude our uh, Kubrick run Yeah,
1: yeah we've done so, a few
0: So we do have a handful Of very quick additions uh, To the main stacks that I should mention uh, I, I actually forgot to say at the end Of Uh, Lost Highway, that is replaced with Afterlife, which we've talked about before. It was in the stacks previously, it's just, it was below Lost Highway.
1: Right, right.
0: It's the one about a film crew in the afterlife who film people's one memory they want to take with them into the next life. Oh yeah, that sounds cool. Very good movie. Uh, Also, uh, next... Uh, we add The Long Walk, which is a Laotian film. I don't think I've ever seen a movie from Laos before. I don't think I have either. Uh, it's it's a movie, is a sort of a ghost story, but it, it's about this guy who finds a ghost of uh, a victim of, like, a road accident. Like, he's walking down the road and he finds this ghost. But, like, the ghost can connect him in time with the death of his mother. Okay. Uh, to, but like he wants to go into the past to, uh, help with the trauma of his mother. Like it's a time travel movie, but involving ghosts and him going, like he witnessed the death of this ghost years and years and years before. Okay. (laughs) It, (laughs) It sounds very complicated, but I hear it's great. Right on. Uh, Also added is Blood Hunt. This is another one that was also previously in the stacks. It's but this doctor who moves to a small Spanish mountain town uh, where everybody is, like, talking about the hunt coming and They're going to do something about all these, you know, druggies and reprobates and stuff and, you know, actually genuinely building up to doing something dangerous about them. And, of course, the last thing is Indecent Desires, which is the next Doris Wishman Uh, one. uh, It's a Doris Wishman voodoo doll movie where someone finds a doll in a trash can and it turns out to be a voodoo doll. And uh, they're very sexually jealous of this person. So it turns into a whole thing. (laughs) Cool, cool. But we are picking this week from the inactive stacks because I finished the Kubrick movies. The last one in that stack was Eyes Wide Shut.
1: All right.
0: So what do you figure for our main pick next week?
1: Well, I'm having a look through here. And I was originally thinking uh, it'd be fun to do legendary so bad it's good movie Samurai Cop. And I might still go in that direction. But I'm also thinking... Mm. We haven't done a Western in quite some time, I don't think.
0: true. It has been a while. I think the last one was... Ooh, I don't even know. I think the there's the one Dead. since Backlash, but I don't remember what. Was the,
1: what was that Raimi one called?
0: The Quick and the Dead. Yeah. I think we did been. Backlash after that. Oh, was
1: it? Okay. okay. I
0: thought so. No.
1: It, yeah, be. it was, because I remember ca- comparing that character to Gene Hackman.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh,
1: The second Sartana movie would have been the
0: most recent Western movie. Right, that That is correct. Yeah, that is the last one we did, I think you're correct.
1: So, uh, let's check in on our boy Clint, or the man who has no name.
0: And uh, For a few dollars more. Yeah. Second in the Man with No Name trilogy. This one, I think, is based on a Kurosawa
1: Ooh,
0: cool, cool. I like I think all I, I I think both of these two are. I think they're Yojimbo and Sanjuro is what they're based on. Right. Uh yeah, it's it's a good one. I, I believe it has Lee Van Cleef. It's got Klaus Kinski as well. do 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 Thankfully we don't got none of that.
1: <laughs> I, I still can't believe I can't believe
0: it. They did uh, that. That's that that was bizarre. That was a real strange choice. The it, it really took me out of that one as much as I like the I like I think I like that one a little more than you did, but it, it yeah, that was a big problem, the score. <laughs> Weird. Okay, so next week, I guess, uh we're covering for a few dollars more and eyes wide shut, was it? Uh yeah. Right on. Yes cool that should be an interesting pair yeah uh so any last thoughts before we close up for this week
1: yeah um you better watch out you better not cry you better not i'm sorry i'll stop (laughs) yeah
0: we we are getting close to christmas time it is mid-november now oh (laughs) oh
1: wow this this year flew by for me
0: we, we may have to cover a Christmas movie We did Silent Night Deadly Night last year We may need to do number two <laughs> oh, I would love to do number two <laughs> Two is fucking crazy Although we are kind of doing a Christmas movie This next week Because Eyes Wide Shut is basically oh. a Christmas movie Takes hey, okay. place at Christmas Covered in Christmas lights Right, right, right yeah, well, How about that <laughs> Alright, well uh, Thanks everyone for listening and uh the ice it's going to going to
2: break